I'm Tom from the Ballpark Bros. Here's Mike. This next presentation on the Four-Eyed Radio Network is brought to you by Revenge Lover. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off on your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Yes, 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 yes. 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 To listen to this show, find us on 4eyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. How's it going, Derek? It's going great. We're back. Yes, we are. And I am excited to talk about three episodes, which is a lot. But it's going to be great. (laughs) It is. And it's really wild, too, because our last episode, we covered exactly one episode uh, and still spent, you know, plenty of time covering (laughs) that. And this week we're covering three. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I guess it seems it seems a little bit weird, but I think it makes sense because we talked a lot about this first season of Spider-Man, the animated series being really episodic, but like all the episodes we've dealt with so far, like night of the lizard was the pilot. So that had a whole bunch of like history behind it. Mm-hmm. Spider Slayer ones weren't really like normal villains and it was still kind of a two parter. So that was still different. Yeah. Doc Ock was like, he's a huge, he's a huge, like a list top tier villain. <laughs> the, these three episodes, like especially having been back to back in air order, yeah. are like this is like the, the meat of what you would consider like episodic television where it's just one off villains. Mm-hmm. and they're in they're out but they all handle them really differently so it's still kind of an interesting mixed bag so it'll be kind yeah. of fun to compare and contrast them as we're as we're talking about them yeah i mean we've we've only introduced a few villains up to this point and we're about to introduce a whole bunch of them so it's actually kind of exciting you know yeah but we talk about the pacing on on the show itself and we're we're gonna do some rapid pacing today getting through a whole lot of stuff yes 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 but i'm pumped so let's just let's sort of dive in i see that we have a correction from last week if you wanted to get into that yeah it's not so much a correction as it is uh, like a clarification um but we were talking a little bit we saw avi arad and stan lee both listed as the writing credits mm-hmm. uh, for the dr octopus episode one of uh, john semper had he he only did these retrospectives on his facebook for the first few episodes i didn't catch that that he did it for a dr doc Ock episode um so i'll have it linked in the show notes but nice. um, the thing that he says is uh this episode marked a time when i had very little control over much of what was going on story-wise this episode was so heavily influenced by what avi arad wanted from it with an assist from stan lee that i ended up giving them both story credit and my name doesn't appear as a story contributor at all stan had a heavy hand in writing a lot of lines in season one and this episode is full of them um that was news to me i didn't realize like i figured that stan was probably like oh maybe he was in in the room during read-throughs or whatever or would just like check off the scripts or whatever yeah. but he actually was at least in the first season was actually very active in doing in helping with rewrites and stuff which is really cool that's pretty incredible because stan lee 
was 95 when he died. So what? He was still like 70 something or 80 at the time. That's incredible. It really is. And I mean, he was doing like voiceover work for for stuff. Like, I mean, you know, we know like he does Marvel cameos. Sure. He was still he like he narrated the the Spider-Man like games that came out for the PS1. Oh, wow. Stuff and that. And, you know, he was still like he was like, what, like 80 by that point? Yeah. he was he was active he, i mean he was active up until i think just like maybe the couple last couple of years yeah. before he died so dang yeah yeah it's wild that's intense yeah and the the other kind of correction um again not really correction because it's it's kind of unclear so we were we've talked a little bit about how they kind of aired these episodes out of order so a lot of sources that i found didn't list doc ock in any other place other than episode four so it seemed like that was the correct one okay and even on john semper's page he said he didn't really remember where the episode was paced but recognized <laughs> there was some or uh, where it was placed but recognized that there is some like weirdness with the felicia stuff so he was like i guess this wasn't the right place maybe it was earlier per a website called tune zone which um they were like active in the late 90s and early 2000s they had a lot of insider interviews some of the interviews i linked in the in the kind of background history from our first episode was from Toon Zone. So they had kind of an insider information and their production order for the first season listed Dr. Octopus as episode six mm. after the Mysterio episode. Okay. So it's literally the only place that I've ever seen it listed. And I've never been able to find like the production codes for these episodes. So I don't know for sure, but it would kind of make sense um, if it came after the Mysterio episode, because then we're just kind of going back and forth between Mary Jane and Felicia rather than like Peter going on a blank blind date with mary jane and then like never mentioning her ever again so. yeah yeah i um i i realized in watching these three episodes that i just need so much help when it comes to trying to figure out <laughs> how these were supposed to go versus how they did go because one thing you'll see in these three episodes is and and, and that we've seen in the the past few is just the back and forth between felicia and mj it just messes with me <laughs> like yeah. it really does even in the correct order, I don't think yeah. it really makes sense. He really is, because he never commits to either of them. So I guess they were trying to play the like the Betty and Veronica kind of thing, where he's like just caught between the two of them. But it's not treated that way until one of these three episodes. Yeah, it is, it is very weird. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's, it's very strange. It, it messes with my head a lot, but uh, <laughs> that's okay. Luckily, these episodes don't need to necessarily happen in a, in a, a serious order or anything. You know, we probably could have watched them out of order. <laughs> and it would have been fine for the yeah. most part yeah <laughs> so let's dive into the first of three um we are hitting on the fifth episode of the series and this is called the menace of mysterio our short synopsis from imdb and probably other places is uh spider-man was seen robbing the metropolitan museum while peter parker was home in bed all of a sudden a supposedly new hero mysterio arrives and this will be interesting to um think about as we talk about this episode because at the time of this recording we found out i don't know how many months ago that mysterio is going to be a main villain or seemingly a main villain in the spider-man far from home movie so it'll be kind of fun to to have rewatched this and thought about you know mysterio's original appearances and then to see how they put him on film yeah yeah definitely definitely 
So the original air date for this episode is February 25th, 1995. It is written by John Semper, as usual, Stan Berkowitz, who we're familiar with. But the big writer on this was Marv Wolfman. So kind of like Jerry Conway in the first episode, he's a, he's a comic book writer, an actual like seasoned, huge pedigree comic book writer that's just kind of pulled in for one episode of this show. So <laughs> I have a long list of things that he's done. He's done a ton of stuff, but just a few of the main things. Relevant to this episode, he did write a couple of issues of Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man that had introduced Mysterio's holograms, which mm. were big in this episode. So instead of just practical effects, he actually did like holograms and yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay. He of course wrote a lot of issues of Amazing Spider-Man. Other than that, too, um, including he co-created Blade and Black Cat. That's wild, right? And it's ma- it makes me sad. He, this is the only episode he wrote, so he didn't actually get to write for Black Cat on this show. Uh. Yeah. He also co-created Dick Grayson's Nightwing persona. Dang. Uh, I know, big one. And similar to that, he wrote for Teen Titans. He had a long run on that where he co-created Starfire, Raven, and Cyborg. Oh my gosh. Basically just created Teen Titans. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's really, really wild. Yep. This dude's huge. He, he is huge. He wrote The Crisis on Infinite Earth, like all of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> this is a little minor compared to it, but still relevant. He wrote for Spider-Woman's first ongoing series. Nice, nice. Um, and he's not just in comic books. He has written for television. He actually developed the Beast Machines TV show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He wrote for the original the original Transformers cartoon. He also wrote for G.I. Joe. He wrote for Gem. He wrote for Batman the Animated Series. And this is just like, I just was kind of selecting stuff between IMDb and Wikipedia. But like, he has so much influence on the comic book world. There's a bunch of stories on his Wikipedia page too. About how he like, was a major influence on, on like, getting writers credits in comics in general. Mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy. So, it's really cool to have him writing an episode of the show. Um, or at least like, rewriting it apparently. He was one of um well actually i'll just move right into the, like the trivia because yeah. it kind of ties into this from um uh one of john semper's pers- uh uh what do you call it retrospectives on this episode um he said the very first draft was actually written by like a completely different uncredited writer who doesn't even remember the name of <laughs> um, <laughs> oh that person so, must have sucked <laughs> well apparently he this is a quote from him so this isn't me this is him john semper said the first draft was a total piece of garbage that he had obviously written in one day yikes <laughs> so some had to rewrite uh, an entirely like new draft by himself overnight just to have it in time for the table read which he said the table read had like all the network executives standing yeah. in the table read so like big deal um but that was at least good enough as a first draft um and then marv wolfman and stan berkowitz were brought in to rewrite all the subsequent drafts hmm. so they didn't write like the skeleton for it but obviously in tv rewrites are a huge deal so yeah they obviously had a big hand in, in refining it wow yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And it's just I another... want to know who that person is. Me too. That, that person and, and whoever the original showrunner was that got fired. Oh, too. yeah. This is the kind of show that would make such a great behind-the-scenes tell-all book. Oh. Like, oh, man, that would be so good. That would be so, so good. Yeah. I'd pick yeah. that up day one for sure. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of an interesting piece of trivia. Um, I appreciate this because I like this character a lot. Police detective Terry Lee was created by Semper and named after his youngest sister. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I like the character a lot too. We'll kind of we'll get into her voice actress in a little bit when we yeah. kind of dive into the characters. But yeah, she's really great. Um, and then another police officer in this episode. I I don't remember. Oh no, it's specifically when he 
um, tell the police officer that tells Peter Parker that Uncle Ben had been killed in the flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, that was voiced by director and supervising producer Bob Richardson, the guy who created all of the bulky designs and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, but Bob. it's not the, not the only thing he did. He did direct every episode. So yeah. He's a big influence on the show, obviously. That's cool. I actually like stuff like that. I like when, um, you know, minor characters or, or one line folks are voiced by just people who are already involved. I don't know why that yeah. tickles me so much. <laughs> it's, well, it's fun because those people usually go unsung in yeah. these types of shows so it's nice that they get their own little spotlight where they can be like oh, they can tell like their kids like hey that's me you know yeah oh uh, yeah and the other piece of trivia i'll save till we get to that point in the episode okay. and bring that up because that's that was more just as a as a reference point yeah we do have a bunch of like major characters introduced in this episode we had talked about lieutenant lee previously so she's she's a big one i love that character she's voiced by don lewis most prominently known for over like 100 plus episodes of a different world as the character jaleesa vinson i've never seen that show but i'm pretty confident i watched some of it but i don't remember it well enough to to really say like oh yeah i remember that (laughs) yeah yeah she has recently been uh, the chief on netflix's carmen san diego oh my god that's perfect casting right isn't that so good (laughs) it's so perfect (laughs) it actually i haven't watched any of Carmen San Diego, but it, it kind of makes me want to watch it more than I more than I did before. <laughs> yeah, same here. I had no idea she was in that. Yeah, she also has had uh, recurring roles on Bravest Warriors, I Zombie, Major Crimes, and she will be part of the Veronica Mars miniseries coming up later this year i guess yes um i didn't know that was even happening but you're a veronica mars person right no i'm not actually oh i thought you were <laughs> what am it's... i what am i maybe i'm mixing maybe i'm mixing up something else i could have I swore mean, you were isn't that like uh it's know. right up my it would be right up my alley and i was always interested in it but i just i didn't get into it when it was on oh. she veronica mars or kristen bell when she was in veronica mars looked exactly like chloe sullivan who was in smallville who was like my favorite character in smallville maybe that's what so, my brain is doing that they're also like they're almost the exact same characters so like that's probably what it was that i guess that wow my brain did some pretty incredible gymnastics to, to get to that point then good it's job it's totally brain. the kind of show i would have been into so it made that that kind of like wb aesthetic like teen drama stuff that's like totally me so yeah it makes sense obviously being a a an episode that features a specific villain we have that villain introduced in this episode so mysterio is introduced in this episode he's portrayed by greg berger and i just have to say i'm obsessed with this voice i'm obsessed with this voice i want greg berger to like read me bedtime stories in mysterio's voice every single night as i fall asleep (laughs) it's so good it's It's like good it's like nearly kingpin good if not as good <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love it so much and he's done a ton of stuff um i guess he's best known for maybe i'm not really sure because i'm not a transformers guy but best known for transformers character grimlock apparently in lots and lots and lots of iterations so um i'd be curious to tap one of our our transformers friends and say like hey do you know who greg Berger is just to see if they'd be like oh yeah grimlock you know what i mean <laughs> yeah because it was a lot it was a lot a lot a lot of different transformers credits so yeah and then also the two of us can certainly appreciate this a number of characters in the spiral the dragon series um he's the voice of ripto hunter crush and gulp and i think maybe a couple others as well but those were sort of the mm-hmm. the big ones that i remembered off the top of uh of my or recognized off the top of my head yeah he um, came back for the remaster yeah i saw that any- that's awesome 
he didn't for he did for Ripto and probably some of the side characters. They didn't bring him back for Hunter though. They recast Hunter, which was kind of an interesting choice. I'm not really sure why. Huh. Yeah. I mean they and actually, no, you know what? This is kind of a fun fact though. I know they recast Hunter, I believe, with Robbie Damon, who plays Spider-Man in the 2017 uh Spider-Man show. Oh, what a strange, uh strange little <laughs> crossover. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, and that just kind of like hit me in my mind just now, too. So it is yeah. really funny to as we go through all these different actors and characters and all that sort of stuff to see what ends up crossing over because voice actors tend to be really prolific you know what i mean yeah with some exceptions you're you're bound to find a lot of crossover um so it's, it's cool to see that a couple other things that greg Berger's done he um voices the character of ject in final fantasy i don't know are you do you play final fantasy stuff i've played some but i don't know the game that this character is so ject is from uh final fantasy 10 and 10 2 and then has appeared okay. in other ones that are either related to that or are you know like fighting games or whatever sure and then has done some other spider-man roles mainly um video games it seems he did voices in edge of time shattered dimension web of shadows battle for new york what is battle for new york for new york i, I don't know, know what that, that game is <laughs> i feel like that was like a handheld game maybe. Okay. it definitely wasn't a console game and i know i haven't played it but i think it's a handheld game okay or something gotcha yeah. and then um we'll see later that he also voices craven the hunter we'll meet that character very very soon and uh the absorbing man creel in uh, the 2017 spider-man series interesting so, yeah that's pretty cool i can see that yeah yeah i could see that for sure and the other character she was introduced previously but she only had one line didn't really do anything so we didn't talk about her at the time yeah um this is kind of the first episode where we actually kind of get uh, an idea of like who she is and and her actual voice and everything and that, of course is mary jane, mary jane! <laughs> so she's voiced by um, an actress named sarah ballantine just like skimming through her imdb she's been in like random stuff but this is, looks like this was actually her biggest role which yeah. is really interesting i was surprised by that i don't know why not that i knew who she was or that i recognize mary jane's voice from somewhere else but i for whatever reason i'm i'm just really surprised when a very main character in this series ends up not having more related to this or similar yeah. to this so it was yeah. really strange that this is sort of the the thing that i recognized her from and the only thing that i recognized her from right right yeah the only show that looks like she's had a substantial role like this is that a show called kaplan's corner never heard of it but mm, nope. she's been in multiple episodes so no I idea um yeah so well that's those are the major characters that are kind of introduced in this one so yeah i want to jump right into the episode itself i guess yeah let's do it um so the episode opens in the metropolitan museum where we see that some items have been stolen from the egyptian room starting this episode i thought that was going to be more significant just based on no like the villain that we were going to be seeing but not mm -hmm. that significant that it's the egyptian room at least within the context of the episode anyway <laughs> as security investigates what's going on we see that the person taking items from the museum is in fact spider-man himself what <laughs> spider-man he's robbing us blind he's robbing us blind um so spider-man <laughs> gets away with a whole big like web sack of treasures after making these these uh museum security guards kind of look like fools and confusing them gives the uh the camera a nice little kiss blows him a kiss um, mm -hmm. And then everyone's like, whoa, Spider-Man stealing oh, no. stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> 
we cut to the next morning where uh, Peter, of course, is waking up having not stolen anything from the museum. We probably assume that it's probably not him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, he's awakened by a call, call from MJ who's doing very sexy aerobics. It's I um, felt uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. And it's, you know, part of it, too, is like. Okay, for one, they're drawing her in a way that, like, contortions don't make sense. Her back will be broken. <laughs> of course. They're clearly just a bunch of, just, like, dudes drawing it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Also, like, I don't feel like her voice actress was instructed with with the instructions that, like, you are doing aerobics. Because she's not <laughs> out of breath. She's just talking like she's sitting there. It almost makes it a weird, kind of, like, almost Uncanny Valley thing. Where you, like, you see these weird poses. But, like, this, like, well, hello, Peter, how are you doing? Voice. It's freaking weird i would yeah i wonder if she knew <laughs> i wonder if she right. thought she was just like sitting on her bed next to the phone or something yeah or maybe that's how it was and then they were like well this scene's gonna be boring so we'll just have her doing sexy aerobics to make the scene like, more interesting <laughs> you know what part of the sexy aerobics i do appreciate probably because it's not sexy is like whatever she's doing where you just see her feet and she's like riding a bicycle upside down and you see her like leg warmers <laughs> that's my favorite oh it's perfect <laughs> i it's like so that good. so much she's wearing the most ridiculous it's not even really a 90s aerobics outfit. It's like from before that, but it is like yeah. full on like leotard, leggings, um, <laughs> probably a headband. I don't remember. Definitely yeah. leg warmers. It's it's uh, it's absurd. And I'm, I'm here for it. Yep. It's a legit like Jane Fonda throwback. Oh, it's, it's that's great. exactly <laughs> what it is. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> yeah well while she's on the phone and you know peter of course is like probably imagining her sexy aerobics and, and totally getting horny for it of course um <laughs> there's a point when she's talking to him she wants to set up a tutoring slash movie date with him and he's getting really excited there's a point when he's talking to her and he just like picks up his pants <laughs> off the floor was that supposed to be like a metaphor that i'm not like getting i don't or... know there's so much about this scene that is just it's it's wild to watch it because you're just you're watching it and you're like, wait, what is going on? Why are you doing that? What's happening over here? Wait, why yeah. did that just happen? It's it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, such as he literally leaps onto the ceiling and like catches his ceiling fan. Yeah. Which, you know, OK, you're horny. You're Spider-Man. I guess you jump a lot, whatever. But and th- but then it like breaks and falls and it's like, dude, that's gonna cost so much money to fix. It's gonna cost so much money. <sighs> Ridiculous. And he probably like busted a hole in the ceiling. It's yeah. It's, it's it's irresponsible, Peter. It really is. Also, I would like to point out that he he does this obnoxious thing with Mary Jane where he's like, oh, let me check my schedule, and that's when he jumps onto the ceiling fan. And he's like, yes, yippee, woohoo! She probably hears you, dude. <laughs> right. You're not right. being coy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so oh, funny oh, Peter. <laughs> i do appreciate I, that scene where he's like spinning around on the fan though it's really goofy they probably had such a blast and like animating this whole sequence they really did this whole episode's kind of like that because it's yeah. a really goofy it's a really goofy episode but i kind of i feel like it's my favorite one out of these three i actually, think it is too i think it is for me as well yeah and i do appreciate too like how just like messy his room is like it looks like it, it does look like a 19 year old's room yeah he looks like he's like 35 right but we know he's supposed to be 19 Ugh, so that easy good, to forget i know it's good set dressing at least yeah even yeah. if his body doesn't match it yeah so after he destroys his room by you know tearing the fan down from the ceiling he goes downstairs for breakfast or whatever and aunt may shows him that the news coverage of spider-man basically robbing the museum to which he's obviously incensed and says that it couldn't be spider-man Spider-Man, anybody could do that, but 
you know, he can't <laughs> out himself as Spider-Man, so um, he just kind of looks silly. <laughs> yep. I like the little bit where, where Aunt May is just, like, ranting about him in her Aunt, way, in her Aunt May way. She's like, oh, the sheer lack of respect. Yeah, I Peter's know, Peter's right? like, well, that I'll cop to. <laughs> <laughs> this Aunt May is pretty tame. We don't see a whole lot of her, so, like, there's not that much time for her to be ridiculous. So yeah. I'm here for this Aunt May. She's all right. Me too, me yeah. too. And I'm pretty sure it looks like she was making her famous wheat cakes. Which Yay! <laughs> Peter's favorite dish. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just a neat little neat little uh, detail. Mm-hmm. So after this, one, one list, like random little bit, I'm pretty sure between this scene, like when Peter arrives at the museum, there's a shot of him like coming out of the bushes, getting dressed on out of the Spider-Man <laughs> outfit. I think that's a recycled image from the Doc Ock episode. Okay. And be- there's that telling detail of like not having the white of his eyes oh yeah. yeah i do remember the the lacking of the whites of his mm-hmm. eyes but i didn't make the connection yeah which then calls in the question like what does that mean doc ock's episode really was after this or was that taken from this huh. episode or vice versa i don't know anyway just an interesting little detail yeah. to point out so well back at the museum this is where we see that uh jameson is preparing a new film segment that he's filming himself and hosting himself um which peter does call out that it's weird that the editor-in-chief of a newspaper is like literally doing this broadcast by himself yeah so, remember I when you were uh, questioning that in the last in our last episode or two episodes <laughs> yeah. ago like why is he on tv right peter right. thinks the same thing <laughs> yep he just has a he, he's a weirdo with a big ego and a big workaholic I yes guess. yes <laughs> Of course, he asked Peter why there weren't any pictures of Spider-Man, and Peter's like, uh, no, I guess I just wasn't here. <laughs> but while he's uh, doing the, let me see, yes, this is where it is, the, the, the new segment that he's hosting, like as Peter walks away, you kind of hear it in the background, but the name of Jameson's segment is Spider-Man, The Final Humiliation. <laughs> yes. I love that so much. He's so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. But as he's filming this final humiliation segment, Peter decides that this is his chance to sort of investigate what might have happened at the museum. So he goes into the room where where the heist took place and finds um, some sort of webbing left behind. And when he finds this, uh, we're introduced to Lieutenant Lee, um, who's also investigating. So Peter doesn't want to get caught, so he tries to run away. But she, being awesome, catches him and says, hey, dude, stop. Like, you can't just remove evidence and that's kind of where their first contact is made um peter makes a good point to her that it it couldn't be spider-man because the webbing should have dissolved by now and she sort of is willing to listen to him because she recognizes that he's the photographer who takes all the spider-man images so she she does sort of just recognize him as a spidey expert without questioning him too much yeah i i love terry lee so much like me too even just in this scene, she's such a great, she's really down to earth, but like still has really funny quips. Um, like she's like, all right, boy wonder. Like she's yeah. still kind of turned up to 11 in that very specific <laughs> Spider-Man, the animated series way. But like, she's actually like totally like real and kind of, she's, she's just very perceptive, I think. Yeah. I like her a lot and I like her a lot for, for things we'll talk about later, but you're right. She is really real and she seems, I don't know. She's just super likable. Does she end up in any, any other media that you're aware of? I don't think so. Oh, that's uh, such that's a bummer. 
I think it's just because she's she kind of fills in a role that's like been filled before and after. Like you have the Gene DeWolf role mm. of like the cop that Spider-Man's close friends with. And I think the only reason she wasn't in the show is because she was already dead in the comics and it was a big deal. So they didn't want to rehash that, I guess. Yeah, they kind of established um, that with the the lack of Gwen Stacy. Right, right. So I think that's the only reason they, they create a new character. And then I guess after, I know, I don't really know much about like the last few years of Spider-Man comics. Uh-huh. But I assume like Yuri Watanabe, like in the PlayStation game, was she? I don't know if she was like a friend of Spider-Man in that same way as being like a cop on, on the force that was Spider-Man's friend like she was in the game. I... Um, but I know she's in the comics, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, I know she's in the comics, but I don't know if she like fills that role or if she's somebody different. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I imagine she probably fills a similar role, mm-hmm. but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I like that archetype, though, of like the, the woman cop that Spider-Man's like tight with. I think it's it's a really it's actually a really fun trope. Yeah, something about it feels easy to understand and easy to buy for me because something about the like woman cop having a perspective that other cops aren't willing to have. I don't know why that feels believable. Maybe it's just because I sort of recognize that like women probably have to work harder in that field. (laughs) So I don't know. It feels really natural to me that she's willing to give Spider-Man a chance in a way that other cops might not be, or detectives might not be that she is sort of strong willed and is sort of matter of fact. Um, It just, it works. It really clicks for me. I agree. Yeah, definitely. After that, um, this is the Mysterio's big entrance comes at this point. Um, Luckily he breaks in right as, I think Detective Lee was going to take Peter, like, actually arrest him or take him to the police station. But Mysterio breaks in, stops that from happening. <laughs> so <laughs> this whole bit is, like, it's weird and funny and, like, great in a very specific Mysterio way. Because he's basically, he introduces himself by saying, I'm putting Spider-Man on notice. I, I can't do a great impression of him <laughs> I wish all. I could. I really I wish I could. <laughs> I would do that impression 100% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no place you can hide. There's nowhere you can run. And the thing, it's, it's so funny because, like, he's basically sweeping in and this is very true to the comics and i think they're going to do it in the far from home movie too that's what it seems like yeah yeah he's sweeping in pretending to be the hero basically and framing spider-man as the villain but the thing that's like so hilarious about it but i I think it's like intentionally funny is that like the way he's like showing off his powers and showing off like i'm here to help is by like utterly terrifying everyone yeah yes (laughs) and like cackling like a villain he doesn't even try to hide it no like it's it's so funny this show or at least this episode and I imagine the show will continue to do this when he reappears. Spoiler alert, he'll reappear. This show does not shy away at all from making Mysterio like a total nut job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he just, yeah. he's like lost all sense and connection with reality, which makes perfect sense for somebody like him. But not every single depiction of Mysterio is like that. So it's really funny that he just does these ridiculous things. It's like, no, like no one should buy you as a hero. Right. They do, right. but no one should. <laughs> <laughs> and it almost, I, I could sort of see it as being kind of, um, it's a very 90s media commentary too, where it's just like, well, wow, the public will buy anything that's on TV. Like, that was <laughs> yeah. such like a 90s thing. And I sort of feel like they're doing it here. And I think they, I think it's actually done pretty well because like the, the public just freaking turns on Spider-Man oh immediately my to gosh. a ridiculous extent. It is hilarious. They eat this up and he, he punks them by pretending to crush them with the ceiling and they're like yes mysterio we love you mysterio 
We stand a queen Mysterio. Like it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> they love him. <laughs> oh my god, it's so it's uh it's 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 amazing. Especially, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to like go like jump too far ahead, but like the fact that like J. Jonah Jameson is freaking in love with this guy. Oh, he so literally much. has done nothing heroic. He never does anything heroic in the entire episode <laughs> other than say, "I don't really like Spider-Man." That's all and, it takes. And Jameson's like, oh, yes, queen. Like, yes. it is fabulous. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, Mysterio is so good in this. <laughs> uh, okay, so after this um, this encounter, Peter... Wait, I feel like we're... Did I miss something here? Well, there, it's... it's uh, I guess the, it's the whole bit of, like, Peter recognizing that it was holograms. I think it's really cool that, like, he calls out that, oh, my spider sense didn't go off. So, obviously, that was a hologram. But... After that, that yeah, I think it's, this really is like kind of the next thing because it, it, this episode moves like really quickly as usual with Spider-Man, but I feel like even more to a crazier extent because like, <laughs> things move at a very rapid pace in this one. Yes. There's like three episodes crammed there in this one so episode. There is so much. <laughs> and I, I'm realizing why I got caught up because there are a couple encounters with Mysterio before it all sort of like really comes to a head, right? Because yeah. what happens is we see Peter on a bus Peter's on a bus again. This is at least twice now where Peter <laughs> oh, just rides God. the bus. That didn't even that didn't even click with me. You're right. Oh, weird. Why are you on the bus? Anyway, so Peter's riding on the bus and he hears um, through a radio that is being, well, a boombox. I, I think I'm not doing it justice if I don't call it a boombox. Um, this guy has a boombox and there's a radio report of Spider-Man, air quotes, Spider-Man, appearing at the Brooklyn Bridge Mall. And so he decides, all right, here's my chance. I'm going to confront that fake Spidey. Naturally, Mysterio appears and they battle. Mysterio continues his whole, I'll protect you people and I will, I will stop spider-man and all this sort of stuff and then drops one little hint for spider-man where he says we can't finish it here it's got to be at the same place you ruined me so in their second confrontation he sort of gives spider-man a little bit more to work with but then kind of like makes a fool of spider-man yet again so that's kind of why there's multiple multiple encounters is because he's building up this sort of like isn't spider-man a fool type public image right it's and it's interesting because like Peter finds out, like, figures all this out, like, immediately. Like, there's no... I guess I could very easily see a version of this, version of this episode where it takes a while before, for Peter to put the pieces together or Mysterio masquerades as Spider-Man for a longer period. Yeah. But it's, like, immediately Peter's like, oh, no, you're just faking me. I'm going to figure out who you are, and we're moving on to the next thing. That plot's done. The Spider-Man plot's pretty much, pretty much just over with. Yes. <laughs> immediately. Yeah, well, the thing that this show is willing to do is give Peter's Spider-Sense a lot of power in this episode. So yeah, you had true. mentioned that in that museum, Peter basically realizes, wait a second, I shouldn't have been scared of the ceiling falling because my Spider-Sense never went off and that establishes moving forward peter's ability to either decipher the illusions as real or fake you know well that, right. that didn't really make sense but you know what i mean um yeah so he's able to determine what's real and what's fake based on his spider sense and and uh i th- i think it's really kind of cool that they do that yeah it is because it, it i mean it, it almost like depowers mysterio immediately like his core like ability right up front but it's in a way that like well then he then has to step it up later on in the episode in order for him to actually be a real threat yeah and only he knows which means the public is not affected at all by his realization he's still operating in a world where everything's against him he just has this one little advantage so he has to use that and that's all he's got oh yeah that's a good point 
so this is when Spidey like meets him on the Brooklyn Bridge, right? So he arrives. Uh, well, I, I love like when he first swings in, and this is when you have all the people like cheering for Mysterio, their hero, who's done literally nothing. <laughs> like, yeah, literally nothing at all. Yeah, They're cheering for him. Spider Man comes in, who like has like kind of robbed a museum once, and they want to like freaking like destroy him it's like calling for blood it is hilarious like how like heightened all of this is it's it's absurd they're so into mysterio (laughs) (laughs) so into it (laughs) um but they do have a little little mini fight where mysterio unleashes a sparkle attack on spidey it's a sparkle Uh, attack Yeah, uh, well, the sparkle attack knocks Spider-Man into the river, and everyone thinks he's dead because uh, he's like doesn't doesn't emerge from from the water for a long time. Of course, J- Jameson's announcing that we have a new hero, Mysterio, who again has literally done nothing but murder Spider-Man, who did not provoke him. So yeah. <laughs> you see where Jameson's like allegiance is lie. But <laughs> also, what? Ever, why does everyone think he's? like dead and why do the police just like give up did you catch that they're just sort of like well nobody could have survived i guess we should call it a day we're just gonna let that spider-man dead body float around (laughs) right i I guess i guess the implication is like they probably were waiting waiting a long time this episode gives us no indication of how long yeah but you know peter has that like web bag of air i guess he was using i don't know how that works but apparently he, (laughs) he was able to fill it with air before he went underwater and it doesn't matter who knows either way he used he used his magical webbing to breathe underwater so i mean it's possible that he was under there for like an hour or something like that like longer than anyone could possibly emerge and then maybe they figure they'll come back with like more equipment or something to like search the river or maybe they figure like well he's gone forever because this is like the polluted river that can dissolve a spider slayer so (laughs) that's true that's very very true he's just down at the bottom of the river with the remains of the spider slayer whatever's left of it yeah yeah (laughs) so i want to something disappeared and i i like from our our notes and i just want to touch on it because i feel like we're doing lieutenant lee like an injustice to not mention this by this point in the episode peter knows who mysterio is nope jk hold on no yeah that yeah this episode is is totally screwing me up no me too it takes me a second whenever i get to the next point i'm like wait something's missing right and i think it's because this episode really is like super dense in a weird way that like makes it it's like i i really love it a lot and i think like the pacing is almost to its benefit but it's to the point that like the plot is moving constantly all over the place like double speed from a show that is already usually moving yeah. at rapid pace oh my gosh this is i didn't realize this was going to be so hard to recap because mysterio and spider-man have now encountered each other three times yeah and they're going to again <laughs> mm-hmm. so okay anyway next thing i'm just going to trust the notes that we wrote yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, whew, resetting. Back at home. That's where we're at. Peter gets a call from Mary Jane um, and realizes, oh, crap, I missed that date. Um, and he asks for another chance. And MJ basically says, I actually like the way she puts this. She says, in my league, you get one strike. <laughs> Which is really, really funny to me. I don't know why that tickled me so much. And it's a totally fair thing. Like, oh, I forgot our date. Like, that's not a good excuse. Like, it means you don't care. Yeah. Yeah. No good. No good. (laughs) Of course. And of course, that makes him, like, really mad. The thing that that I wrote down from this is... He's also listening to Jameson's, like, broadcast about how great Mysterio is and Spider-Man's dead and he sucks. Blah, blah, blah. Mysterio's best ever. I love him. I want to do him. But Peter, when he turns it off the the TV, he's like, gas bag. Yeah. Which is a really, (laughs) 
there's that and there's actually there was an earlier line too that we kind of missed because we were like rapidly going through this yeah there's another one where peter on the when he's on the bus he's like oh going from like hero to goat overnight and like which i guess goat is supposed to mean like scapegoat but it's like i've never heard anyone refer to themselves as like a goat in that context (laughs) and it's also weird nowadays because goat means like greatest of all time on the internet so yeah that is kind of funny like something that doesn't quite age because slang has changed (laughs) yeah it doesn't age well (laughs) (laughs) anyway not to backtrack too much it was just like it was that and the gas bag thing or a couple of like weird lines but (laughs) that's right this whole episode is trippy which is totally appropriate because mysterio you know yeah yeah and i also love like when peter answers the phone from mj he's like what (laughs) i love that i can't believe she even entertained talking to him at that point brushes brushes it right off and it's like yo you have every right to never call this weirdo ever again (laughs) seriously what (laughs) another crazy like plot turn in this episode all of that convinces peter to quit being spider-man in episode five yeah (laughs) he literally throws his suit in the closet I didn't realize um, <laughs> happened so soon in this series. <laughs> I know. He's like, I'm going to turn my life around and stop being Spider-Man ever again. And we get to see his like crazy, ridiculously like chiseled Adonis chest. Mm, yes. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. So he quits being Spider-Man and, and he does a little like snap. He's going downstairs. The first of two instances of Peter snapping in this episode. Very sassy snapping in this episode. <laughs> very, very much. Sass. Yeah. <laughs> But then, keeping this moving, we immediately get to uh, Lieutenant Lee at his door, who kind of gives him sort of like a tough love pep talk kind of thing. Yeah. Um, she, of course, like being very smart, she recognizes that Peter photographed Spider-Man, probably might know how to find him. Um, and Peter's like in his whole, like, I'm not Spider-Man anymore. I'm Peter. Blah, like, yeah. like mood. So he's like, whatever. So apparently not being Spider-Man means he's like a total jerk because right. he's actually being like kind of a jerk to her. He also literally um, says, not my table. And I don't know that phrase. <laughs> Me either. Like not like what I what is I don't even know what that means, but whatever. Right. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> but yeah, um, he's just sort of like, forget it, whatever. And she she kind of gives him this like, I have spent a lot of time studying Spider-Man, and I'll tell you one thing I've learned about him is he never turns his back. Um, which is apparently exactly what Peter needs to hear. Yes. Because then it brings us into the flashback. Flashback. (laughs) (laughs) Five episodes in, we finally get his origin story. Yeah, we really do. And it's just a really straightforward origin story for Spider-Man in flashback form. And it's so interesting that it was like, of all the episodes they could have put it in, like, this is the one that we get that little diversion into. It's really interesting, because otherwise this episode is very goofy, very silly, like, very fun. But then we have, like, this one piece of of like the show that is like absolutely instrumental to it that we're finally getting like actually explained and explored and put into context i would actually very weird. love to pick the brains of the folks who made this to ask them why this episode because this episode didn't need this but it fits right. well like the way that they yeah. wrote it it fits just fine so it's 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 crafted well it's done done very um seamlessly I'm so curious to know why this was the episode where they did it. Right. I wonder if it really was just the case where like they, they had an idea of Peter quitting Sp- being Spider-Man and wanted to figure out a way to, for him to get back, come back. Easy way is to be like, I remember uncle Ben and his words. Yeah. But then they were like, well, we haven't established that yet. So I guess now's the time to establish it. Like, yeah. This doesn't seem like a thing that was like planned out to be part of the episode. It feels like something that just 
it just kind of needed to happen in order for it to all Yeah, happen. it had to eventually happen. <laughs> we had to reference it at some point. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and this is where they do it. And they do it in a, in a really straightforward way. And it's everything that we kind of have come to know about the classically accepted Spidey origin story, right? Where early on in his career, career, I put in quotes, because he hadn't started being Spider-Man yet. He just had powers. He was wrestling for money and there was a robber at the wrestling venue. He decides, not my problem. Robber gets away, ends up breaking in, in this version, breaks into the Parker's household, and Ben Parker attempts to stop him, and that's when Ben Parker gets killed by this robber. Peter then comes home and is like, oh, I'm gonna get that robber, and then catches him and finds out it was the exact same guy that he chose not to stop at the wrestling venue. So it's really, it's what we know, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's done really succinctly, and, and I appreciate how they avoid... Like, I know that they can't say, say killed and they can't show Uncle Ben getting shot or whatever. Yeah, they do a but, really good job while avoiding yeah, they all right of around that. It. Yeah, it's really, and I love, like, there's the shot when, uh, when he takes the mask off of the killer, which is, like, an iconic shot, obviously, when he yeah. finds out who Uncle Ben's killer was. And, like, the only time in the show, I feel like, where Spider-Man's eyes get that big. Yeah. Like, they're huge on his mask. and It's, like, Todd McFarlane big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, like, even, yeah. like, the original comic, like, didn't do that. They put those little, like, um, the, the like eye dots on his mask in the original comic <laughs> i think because because ditko hadn't like figured out how to yeah. draw surprise spider-man but like th- it's 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 really well done considering that it's just like a not inconsequential but also not like super important piece of this episode yeah but it works to motivate peter to say mm-hmm. all right let's let's do spider-man again spider-man's back everybody yes, um he is. so After, so he was he was retired for like what two minutes <laughs> well, yeah he seriously is retired long enough to throw his suit in the closet walk down the stairs be approached by um lieutenant lee and have a memory <laughs> that's how long he is retired for um yeah. so what's interesting is after this you know he's motivated to become spider-man again and he goes from that interaction with lieutenant lee to suiting up as spider-man to then meet up with lieutenant lee <laughs> which i think is is kind of funny. <laughs> funny so he meets it's up funny. with lieutenant lee and this is where i got mixed up earlier because i for whatever reason was remembering this happening earlier but this is where spider-man and lieutenant lee sit down in front of a computer to figure out who mysterio is based on the clue that he gave spider-man earlier in the episode so spider-man relays that clue to lieutenant lee and they look through all these different articles and videos and stuff of spider-man's various you know rescues and all this sort of stuff and uh realize that it's got to be this quentin beck special effects guy from the time that spider-man saved the day because special effects explosions blah 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 right i love the scene actually i mean the 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 flashback itself whatever the flashback itself is pretty basic yeah but, like spider-man and lieutenant lee's interactions are really good because yes. lieutenant lee is is such a great like foil for him and she plays off of him very well because she's almost can be almost as quippy as he is mm-hmm. but because she's so like confident and like gets what's happening all the time yeah I also and... love Spider-Man, like, sitting right up next to her with his, like, chin in his, in his like, <laughs> hands. He has, like, two yeah. fists, and he's just, like, resting his chin on the fists. It's great. <laughs> it's, it's really good. <laughs> it's, it's really good. It's wonderful. Yeah. And the whole, I mean, the whole idea of this is that, that Spider-Man sort of, like, 
foiled Beck and then made him vowing revenge, right? But like, yeah. Sp- I love that the sh- the the, the, the call out that like everyone swears revenge on Spider Man. He's just yeah. like, I hear this sort of thing like two or three times a week. I'm not I'm not going to remember anytime someone says that because most of the time they're just in prison. They don't actually mean it. Like, yeah. they're not going to do anything about it. Yeah, Lieutenant Lee can't understand why he doesn't remember this, and he's like, everyone says that. <laughs> Everyone wants revenge, but this guy specifically wants it because he had this career in special effects and he says, Spider-Man ruined it when really he was doing illegal stuff, you know? Right. Right. Again, which is something that the episode calls out later on too. So it's a, it's a very, this is a very self-aware episode actually of the show. Like ultimately. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So Spider-Man does make it to Wonder Studios where they recognize this uh, Beck's listed address now that know who he is. He lives at Um, Wonder Studios. Just (laughs) want to really establish that (laughs) yes he lives at wonder studios which is it abandoned i guess it's abandoned because i mean how else would all this be happening if it wasn't he probably just he probably got out of prison recently can't imagine he's working (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if it's i guess it's like probably during this during when spider-man gets there but we we do cut away to um j jonah jameson who in his limo or van or whatever it is (laughs) yes he is writing his own editorial, which again, editor-in-chief, he is serious, like, micromanager, workaholic. He does all of, like, the menial work. He is writing his own editorial. He is calling Mysterio the newest and greatest. I assume he's oh going to say gosh. hero before he gets cut off. He is just freaking, like, in love with Mysterio. So in totally love. Totally crushing on him so hard. But he gets called over. Um, he gets a fax. Um, another kind of archaic thing. A fax yeah. in his limo. <laughs> do not forget that he's still in his limo (laughs) um he gets a fax addressed to chuckles uh from spider-man uh letting him know where to go i don't i mean i don't really understand i guess i guess spidey wanted someone to like clear his name but it still seems weird to me that like he put jameson like in danger specifically like he called him over for that I think that there is a certain amount of sense that ends up being lost with Peter when it comes to Jameson. You know, like, I think there's, he takes so much crap from Jameson as Peter that sometimes I think he can't resist sort of like shoving it in Jonah's face. (laughs) <laughs> and I feel like this is what this is. That makes sense. You know? That actually makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah, so that so he is going to end up in the line of fire, but um we we kind of see what what we have in store um the the warehouse is like very special effects later. <laughs> yep. <laughs> very much so like billions of dollars worth of animatronics so much in here (laughs) which you know this is a testament to how great practical effects are and why cgi shouldn't take over in movies nowadays there's too much cgi (laughs) practical effects are freaking awesome yes you can have like a fake werewolf dressed up as mysterio of course you can have a spinning floor you can Um, you can have like a whole bunch of like like a cyclops musa minotaur and like a dinosaur robot that he like jumps into and gets inside of somehow dinosaur robot ghost hallway (laughs) thing it's so strange why not why not not? you know what it's the beauty of practical effects yes i love them yes and on that note spidey has two pop culture references that i want to call out because i love them yes and they're things that like kids probably wouldn't get so it's one of those things that they're clearly writing for the writers are writing for themselves and for adults who are watching this with kids yeah um so spidey's like is this a i feel like i'm in a ray harryhausen movie or maybe it's more like roger corman so ray Harryhausen he created the stop motion animation which I love I love the stop motion animation he makes so much (laughs) 
He, the stop motion used in uh, Mighty Joe Young from 1949. Ooh. The, all the stuff in Jason and the Argonauts. Okay, um, yeah. And Clash of the Titans. So any of those scenes you see with like stop motion skeletons or like the famous stop motion Medusa. I think that was Clash of the Titans. That was Ray Harryhausen. I love that stuff so much. I can't even, I shouldn't just, <laughs> I can't. I love it a lot. We'll so have to we'll like uh, tweet a clip or something of some of that stuff. Uh, it's so, I mean, and, and there's other stuff like in that same vein that's, I, I don't think it's him, but like in the first Terminator, there's like a scene towards the end where the, the exoskeleton is chasing Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese. And it's like, yes. it's my favorite scene of any movie ever, ever made <laughs> of all time. It is so good. And like, I don't care that it looks like quote unquote fake. It looks creepy and it looks like artful and it's great and it should be used in more movies. Anyway, and rant. So. <laughs> and gush. <laughs> and gush. True. The, um, the other episode he makes this to roger corman he's probably more well known he is a very prolific filmmaker he's done a lot of horror movies but he's like one of those that's like touched every every filmmaker like that's ever been famous in hollywood but some of his big things were like little shop of horrors house of usher uh the terror and death race 2000 but the other thing that's interesting that would have existed by the time this episode came out is that he did uh direct maybe right i think just directed that unreleased fantastic four movie from 1994 the infamous one. <laughs> it's it's a really it's which makes it so interesting that he that that <laughs> it's called out in this episode because that's like a very uh, there's so, there's a very interesting story behind that. <laughs> Can you watch it on YouTube at this point? I'm you can find it anywhere now. I think. I yeah, think it's you can watch it. <laughs> I mean, like Arrested Development season four like made that movie like a major part of its plot line. Oh, like, I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, Maria Bamford like plays like Invisible Woman basically. Like <laughs> the, her she plays a char- she plays the actress who played Invisible Woman oh, that's in that so Fantastic funny. Four movie. It's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so anyway, that was a tangent. <laughs> it was a good tangent though. And we'll make sure that we provide you plentiful material to understand what we're talking about. Yes. Because it's fun idea. material. It really is. Yeah, it's 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 fun when like this show makes pop culture reference mm-hmm. references. It doesn't do it super often, but usually when it does, they're kind of they're kind of obscure. Like this episode also reference or not this one, but like the Craven one, I think references like Rhett Butler, which is like an actor yeah. that I don't think he, people nowadays, like kids nowadays would have no idea who that is. So <laughs> also it's really interesting. Danielle Steele is name dropped yeah. <laughs> in one of these yeah. episodes. <laughs> it's so interesting. Yeah. It's very, very interesting references yeah. they choose to use. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Right. <laughs> Why not? So anyway, um, we do see that Lieutenant Lee and Jameson have made their way to this building and work together for just a moment to enter the Wonder Studios building. Um, So we see that and it is important, even though it's a very small, small clip. So after Spider-Man explores the the guts of this dinosaur robot hallway ghost (laughs) thing, um, he ends up falling through a trap door. Not really sure how this works, but it's Mysterio, so who cares? Falls through a trap door into a large spider web where we learn that Lieutenant Lee and (laughs) Jonah are basically, like, immediately captured. (laughs) (laughs) And Mysterio threatens to destroy them, just, you know, because they're there. Why not? And and once again threatens payback against Spider-Man. As usual. (laughs) Of course. So all the usual threats and stuff. I do like that the way that Mysterio is 
threatening to destroy Lee and Jameson is by like dropping them onto this like panel of stalagmites. I think stalagmites <laughs> is the right word because I think, I think stalactites so. come from the ceiling that just happen to be in the room. Like he just opens up a door and there are stalagmites to drop his victims upon. Mysterio <laughs> is just like the queen of extra. Like so extra. <laughs> so extra. Uh, I love him so much. It's pretty great. It's it really, really is. <laughs> What's also great is the whole is the exchange. Like probably I think like if we did ever did like lines of the episode, like this would win it. Oh yes. Mysterio's ranting about how Spider-Man, like he wants his revenge on him, Spider-Man ruined him, blah blah blah, same villain stuff. And like Spidey calls him out. He's like Dude, you did it all to yourself, like, which is true. <laughs> and then Mysterio's like, well, yes, that's what my psychiatrist said. But you know what? His sessions never made me feel this good. <laughs> so, like, uh, of course. It's so good because because when, when the line is being delivered, you know that the writers are just laying it on so thick and I don't even care. Like, mm-hmm. it's just so good. It's so mm-hmm. stupid and wonderful. It's oh. funny, like, to know the backstory behind this episode that, like, Semper had to write the first draft overnight, like, in frustration and anger. <laughs> yes. Because, like, this is such, like, a fun, like, lighthearted, just, like, aware of its own silliness episode. Yeah. Like, almost, almost to an extent that, like, it feels low stakes, but, like, in, like, a very, I mean, people are going to be dropped on, like, stalagmites and, like, <laughs> impaled. It's not really low stakes, but, like, it feels, like, very warm and comforting in a way that the rest of the show doesn't really. Yeah, there's something silly about this episode, even though it's, I don't know, like, there are stakes, but it just feels silly because Mysterio can do whatever he wants. Right. So the animatronic werewolf version of himself is hilarious. Like, <laughs> it's so funny, and I love it, and I, I, I'm just, I'm here for the ride. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Oh, man, we're, we're close to wrapping this one off. <laughs> Ooh, we promise, we promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the rest, I don't feel like the rest of the episodes are not, doesn't don't have this much, like, stuff in them, I feel like. Uh, no, they definitely do not. <laughs> <laughs> this, this one is different. Anyway, kind of rapid fire, the way it, way it concludes, Spider-Man does free himself, shoots a web at the um, contraption that Lee and JJ are, are being uh, trapped in, um, is able to kind of use that force to, like, propel himself away from the web he's trapped on with the robot spiders, saves them right before they drop on the spikes, and he, um, Mysterio duplicates himself, thinks it's going to be a big deal, but doesn't anticipate Spider-Man's <laughs> spider sense. So he, Spider-Man just like immediately just knows who the, who the real one is and kicks him. Yes. This <laughs> ends so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Especially for an episode so dense with so much happening. Yes. Like it just kind of stops. <laughs> but one thing I'm sort of realizing about some of these earlier episodes, and I, I imagine it won't carry on into the series because we do get so many multi-parters is that they spend a lot of the episodes telling story and not just having them like epically battle. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm totally okay with that because we're getting good stories. Yeah, the one episode that really we were down on was the second Slayers episode, which was a lot of just like battling and chasing and fighting. Yeah, that's true because I mean they have to set everything up, they have to tell backstories, they also have to give Peter like his own individual story and then they have to still resolve all of it. In- yeah. What ends up, it's supposed to be 22 minutes, but it usually is closer to 19 or 20 minutes for this show. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, so it is really interesting, and it kind of gives it uh, a, a, a different kind of feel to it, like a more, like, like tighter feel, even when it's not very tight and it's still kind of silly. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so he beats Mysterio. Um, the episode ends with Mary Jane apologizing to Peter, like she approaches him to apologize, which it's cool of her. I think she shouldn't have done that, though. She yeah. <laughs> Peter was the one 100% in the wrong, but 
She does apologize to Peter for hanging up on him. Peter even like gives like kind of like there's that bit where like uh, MJ um, compares herself to Spider-Man and Peter's like, like she's like, what do me and Spider-Man have in common? And Peter's like, you both look great in skin tight outfits, which is like. Yeah, I, I'm i just going to say and, and we'll touch on this a little bit more in future episodes, but like I don't love <laughs> the Peter Felicia Peter MJ relationship interactions. In this series. <laughs> Ooh, I have many comments in the next episode. At least so, so far. We'll that. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of like, uh, it's a lot of like a combination of like, if it's not entitlement, it's talking about how hot their bods are. And, and they're just like, oh, Peter. And it's like, no, you, mm-hmm. you're totally, okay. You don't have to take that. Yeah. Somehow there's still these people that are way out of his league are still super into him. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty true to the early comics, but I That's thought true. it was weird then too. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> In any case, MJ apologizes to him. She talks about how she passed her physics test and she's going to give him another, ch- another chance. Of course. She has an interesting little like, <laughs> okay. So this end, this, these end lines really, they feel very forced to me. Let's very. It's like, I realize physics is a lot like theater. It's all about making sense of the world. And that leads Peter to being like, yes, just like the lessons that Uncle Ben taught me. Thanks, Uncle Ben. You didn't need to do that. Yeah, you didn't need to tie all that together. Like, no. I mean, I feel like it was, it feels like a very like late attempt to be like, well, this episode seems kind of scattered. Let's tie it all together. And it's like, no, you embrace the silliness of it. This episode was all over the place, but it's the kind of episode that, that does work to be all over the place. Like we didn't need... We didn't need that little bow tied at the very end of it. It would have been fine without that. The flashback served its purpose. It was already sort of concluded. You know what I mean? It it did the thing it needed to do. He wasn't motivated further in the episode later by that flashback or that memory. It did exactly what it was meant to do. So, yeah, no bow necessary. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, other than that, the ending is kind of it's kind of kind of forced. But I, I did like this episode oh, a lot. So much I fun. Really question if this like tops Night of the Lizard for me. They're very different, super different episodes. Yeah. But I just really like enjoy this episode so much. It's just fun. It's just a it lot really of is. fun. It so is. Face of the episode for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> These were so uh, when Peter's having his little flashback kind of the bookends of it is his very sad face yes and oh boy is it a very sad it's face. very very sad <laughs> it's um very sad face. the only other face that i i want to direct people's attention to but but it isn't really a contender for face of the episode because i can understand why it's ridiculous is mary jane's face at the end of this episode frequently has no nose <laughs> <laughs> did you notice this <laughs> No, I didn't. There's just no no's there. <laughs> I'm going to make a note to remember to take screenshots of that. And I'll add that it, to our social media. <laughs> it isn't really like a, it isn't really a great quote face of the episode because it's definitely animation constraints, which, you know, we try to be fair, <laughs> Yeah. but I just, I can't not mention that her nose just goes missing. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. Guess what? Yes. We still have two more episodes to get through. (laughs) You know what? This episode was packed full of stuff. These are not. The second one especially. Yes. Okay. We're just going to jump into it because I'm not a huge fan of this one, honestly. Okay. I think it's fine. It's just we don't need to talk about it a ton because there's not a whole lot that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
This is episode six of the first season of Spider-Man, the animated series, as you probably know. This episode is called The Sting of the Scorpion. The synopsis is Jameson is becoming obsessed with destroying Spider-Man. So he hires a man named Mac Gargan to try out a new scorpion suit made in the laboratories of Empire State University. But the music mutation of the suit begins to turn Gargan into a monster. Ah, yes. <laughs> the uh, the episode originally aired on March 11th, 1995, which makes sense if you've been tracking when these episodes are airing. It was written by John Semper, Marty Eisenberg, and Robert N. Skur. Yes. And I'm assuming that's how you say it. I'm assuming that too, yeah. So these two guys, Marty Eisenberg and Robert N. Skur, they're best known, again, uh, another Beast Machines thing. They're best known as the story editors for Beast Machines. They've also collaborated together on multiple projects, um, including X-Men, Batman, and Gargoyles, um, all very good shows. And uh, separately, Eisenberg Solo was the story editor for Transformers Animated. He's also written for the animated Guardians of the Galaxy and the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Now, is that the current or recent Guardians of the Galaxy? I assume it's the current. I don't know if it's still on or not, actually. Okay. I think it's still on. But yeah, I have to assume there Guardians wasn't the one before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody anybody in the mainstream cared about them before the movie came out. Gosh, so. I, I, I want to go to the alternate universe where there was a 90s animated Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon. Because <laughs> it would be so wildly different than what we have come to know in the mainstream is guardians of the galaxy you know what i mean (laughs) it would be ridiculous (laughs) (sighs) so the one bit of trivia for this episode we kind of have mentioned this previously so this episode was written to be episode two actually this was supposed to be before all the spider slayer stuff you can tell Mm. there is some weird weird stuff really just with felicia honestly doesn't really affect anything else but that stuff was kind of weird, even without it being out of order. So we'll get to it. <laughs> yes, we certainly will. <laughs> um, major characters introduced in this episode, obviously Scorpion, um, a.k.a. Max Gargan, or probably vice versa, Matt Gargan, a.k.a. Scorpion, whatever. He's portrayed by a guy named Martin Landau, who um, won an Academy Award, Screen Actors Guild Award, and a Golden Globe Award for his portrayal of Bella Lugosi in Ed Wood, which, again, sort of continues this theme of incredibly accomplished actors coming in to play <laughs> like characters on this animated cartoon it's really really great um it is <laughs> and then apparently was was featured heavily i think in multiple roles uh which is interesting in the mission impossible tv series of the 60s not sure how they pulled that off because i haven't seen it before but i think he plays three different characters i don't know if that oh, show is whoa. comedy and so it's played for humor or if he just played three completely different characters or if they're aliases i have no idea the original one wasn't a comedy i don't think i didn't think so yeah so that's weird yeah (laughs) interesting yeah (laughs) the other character in this episode is dr stillwell um i don't think he's a huge character in the show but he is an he is interesting because his his, uh, actor yes is pretty prominent um he's portrayed by michael rye um he's a prominent radio performer he also portrayed mysterio and magneto in the uh, uh 80s spider-man series which is cool and apparently he hasn't done anything since spider-man the animated series so that's kind of weird well he, i know that he <laughs> i know he is dead um but he didn't oh yeah <laughs> well, um, okay <laughs> but he didn't <laughs> but he didn't it's not like he died right when this like right after this series happened there's like a, a pretty significant gap of maybe like a decade and i I didn't dig like super deep but i i i don't know that he did anything after this this might be his last his last voice credit i'm not really sure interesting yeah. interesting well i guess he, he probably made enough money to retire because it looks sure. like he did a 
ton <laughs> of other stuff through the 70s 80s and 90s yep um like he did every iteration of super friends the super globe trotters the incredible hulk a bunch of scooby-doo appearances um and many many more which we see pretty commonly with with some of these voice actors yeah. they just have huge mondo imdbs so yes yes, yes. <laughs> all right and then this episode and you know i didn't mention this for the first one i feel like we should address Derek's opening intro watch 2019 oh i meant to ask you about this because i I paid so much attention, Derek. I paid (laughs) so much attention. Okay, so tell me if I am correct. Mm -hmm. The first episode we're talking about today has one opening. The second and third have a different... Wait, 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 wait. Oh, dang it. I'm getting it all mixed up. No, you're right. Two and three have the same one. Yes. Now, here's my guess. The the second and third one are the earlier opening, and the first episode is the later opening? Nope. Oh, darn it. (laughs) Oh, I was trying so hard. First episode on Amazon. Again, I don't know if this is the same way on iTunes, um, but the first episode on Amazon is the first season opening. I think it was used the first and second season, actually, but it is definitely the first opening ever made for Scorpion and the Craven episode that we're talking about. Those were, that's the later seasons one, the ones they use for, I believe, season three through five. So I don't understand what's going on with that, but. <laughs> okay, so. Um... Oh, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna forget his name, and I was thinking about it the whole time. The opening that has Hydro Man—that's his name. That's the second the opening. Second opening. He okay. doesn't come until the next season. Yeah, an easy way to that I noticed it immediately. The first season opening or the the later opening very early has the um the zappy sound effect with the radioactive spider biting Peter in a pink mm. shirt. Okay. The first opening immediately just jumps into Spider Man swinging and doesn't have the spider until a little bit later. Okay. I don't yeah. know why I'm so fixated on the Hydro Man presence, but that's that's how I've been able... To, that's what I was focusing on. I was like, does this one have Hydro Man? Does this one not have Hydro Man? <laughs> <laughs> He's a big part of that opening, weirdly, for some reason. It's so. a very... And it's a very cool clip, I think. <laughs> it is. It is, yeah. I like I like the second... I've ranted so much about these opening yeah, intros, yeah, yeah. but I really like the second intro a lot, so... I'm not mad about them using it. It's just weird that it keeps going back and forth. <sighs> Someday I will I will I will remember which is which and which one's the good one and the bad one. I'm going to have it all memorized by the time we're done. Good. Uh, good. It's very <laughs> very hard and complicated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, getting into the sting of the scorpion. So this episode immediately opens with some stuff that you can makes you kind of tell that this episode is out of order because yep. it opens with Felicia and Peter discussing their relationship, and they're doing this weird like bouncy puppet walking. Yes, that, yes, uh, I hate it. There's I some really it. unfortunate animation um, in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. So while they're walking, oh god, I hate this. They're discussing their relationships as they walk on the street. Peter is upset that Felicia wouldn't consider him a boyfriend because he deserves being a boyfriend and blah, 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 and he deserves girls, whatever. Because kind of they studied together. <laughs> I hate it. It's so, uh, it makes me so mad. Yeah. Uh, it's like, These three episodes, real bad look for Peter as a, as a potential boyfriend. It really is. So, I mean, let's, let's lay it out. Okay. So Felicia makes it pretty ev- evident. She makes a really good case. Mm-hmm. She has asked Peter to be her tutor. Yes. Because she is very smart. They have done tutoring sessions together. That's it. That's literally all they've done. Yep. And Peter's like, why don't we go to dinner? Felicia's like, no, I don't want to. Well, why not? Why can't I be your boyfriend? I don't want you to be my boyfriend. Well, you should be. I mean, we go out all the time. You're my tutor, not my boyfriend. She even explicitly says, going out to dinner is for boyfriend and girlfriend. We are not that. (laughs) <laughs> yes and he's like so mad about it Ugh. like he's so he's mad about it this entire episode he really it, is 
it really and i mean uh. i think this is worse so I, I mentioned that that it's sort of similar to the early comics but it's actually i think i think it's worse because mm-hmm. in the early comics it's basically like all these girls are fawning over peter and peter's just sort of like oh no i don't know what to do like this is this is unfortunate but but great but but hard you know what i mean mm-hmm. in this he's like entitled and like aggressive about it <laughs> yeah where instead really of them is. sort of like fawning over him and you're like remember when he was a nerd in this one he's like you should be fawning over me you should you should want me more <laughs> like it's very strange it really is and <sighs> i think it's just the subject of 90s men writing writing yeah, this stuff that must but... be it we have <sighs> issues <laughs> yes Oh my god. We have problems anyway. and we're laying them out. Yep, yep. Toxic masculinity. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, there is uh there is a villain in this episode aside from toxically masculine Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And his name is J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> yes, very, very true. Actually, that is true. So yes. this episode is basically the telling of like how the scorpion is created. And we see pretty quickly that it's all wrapped up in, in Jameson. So mm-hmm. as Peter and Felicia are walking down the street, Peter notices that there's this weird, suspicious guy who seems to be following them. And after his conversation with Felicia, he gets all, you know, his feelings are hurt. And he's like, meh, 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 whatever, decides to just walk off and follow this this guy who's been following them to try to figure out who this guy is well this somehow leads him to like an exploding storefront (laughs) (laughs) it's weird (laughs) so that happens and uh, there's a really fast like fancy rocket launcher and all this sort of stuff but the moral of that story is that the guy gets away but peter gets some cool picks yeah i do appreciate that the whole fight is pretty much just peter swinging back and forth like upside down like yes. the entire time he doesn't really land a punch and then he webs them and that's it and he kind of takes some of their clothes off which is weird but yep that is definitely weird <laughs> <laughs> but other than that i appreciate that it's like i don't need to deal much with these guys even though they have freaking rocket launchers uh yeah they're just they're <laughs> launching rockets into the middle of the city <laughs> peter seems unconcerned <laughs> but yeah there's not that much that this relates to other than it gives peter an opportunity to take some pictures which which sets off the next sequence of events mm-hmm. he takes them to the daily bugle and you know robbie's impressed but jj comes in and he's Ooh. not impressed Ooh. and oh my goodness so <laughs> we've talked bef- yes we have talked before in previous episodes about how this version of jj really does not like peter and it's kind of off-putting and this episode is like hammering that down that not like peter that said it does give it some clarification he doesn't like peter because he he can kind of tell that he must have some kind of in with spider-man this person that he hates and he's not giving him information on it so i think that's where a lot of that like a hostility comes from yeah but it is still like it still feels a little much for me it's a lot to handle it is i mean he's like He's like, you wrote this this quote down, like, I'll find out how a little squirt like you gets those photos sooner or later. And it's like, he's making you money by, yeah. <laughs> by taking these photos. Like, he is your employee at the end of the day, doing a job that you want him to do. Yeah. So, a little weird. One thing I'm just thinking of now, too, is one thing that, that I struggle with as far as Jonah hating Peter so much and so openly while also hating Spider-Man is that it makes it harder to sort of believe like suspend our disbelief that he can't figure out who spider-man is right when you think of like superman or supergirl frequently it's discussed correct me if i'm wrong that the reason people can't figure out that they look exactly like supergirl and superman is that they don't want to believe that somebody so meek or somebody Mm -hmm. so nerdy 
could be Superman or Supergirl. I think in the comics, when J. Jonah Jameson sort of like pokes fun or doesn't take Peter seriously or thinks he's just like a stupid, goofy kid and that's why he's sort of put off by him, he can't ever believe that Spider-Man could be somebody like that. And I think it helps when he's sort of like discounting Peter as opposed to in this episode where he's like, he's given Peter so much credit. Like he should be able to connect the dots. Whereas Mm -hmm. in the comic books, he wouldn't connect those dots because... They have a don't ask, don't tell type, you know, relationship. And he, he thinks Peter's just a goober. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It is, it is interesting. And I mean, to be fair, I guess that his, his sort of connection with, with Peter and Spider-Man does like kind of prompt like the plot of this episode yeah, to yeah. an extent. It, it, but I agree. It's kind of weird, but the plot kind of kicks in when Peter sees the quote unquote little creep from the night before <laughs> JD's office. Peter really like does not like the guy hadn't done anything. Like he's yeah. kind of creepy by following them, but he's like real, like hostile to him. Also um, <laughs> not subtle little creep guy. Like you yeah. just, if you're supposed to not let Peter know you're following him, maybe you shouldn't openly walk through the place where Peter right. works. I, I think that was almost, I feel like that was almost kind of intentional because like, he's just really bad at everything. It seems like that's like, true. Cause he's such like a, <laughs> like a mousy, like, like yeah. little guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which it's one thing that I actually appreciate about the voice acting for Matt Gargan is yeah. that like him as Matt Gargan as this kind of like skeevy, like little loser versus like when he's the scorpion, it's like a miles different, like the voice that he puts on for it. It's really great. Yeah. That's impressive. I like that a lot. But anyway, he's still, he's still like that little loser, little weenie right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in JJ's office. Um, Peter, uh, uh, dresses, dresses as Spider-Man. That sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> Cosplays as Spider-Man. He cosplays as Spider-Man. So look through the window and, and kind of figure out what's going on. They somehow don't notice him like st- sitting right in front of the window <laughs> while they're talking. But anyway, <laughs> um, he overhears, realizes that JJ had hired Gargan to follow Peter in an attempt to discover their relationship um, and figure out like Spider-Man's hideout, hideout or whatever, um, which again, so makes sense in what we were talking about before yeah. with JJ making the connection. I love the idea that, that Jameson thinks Spider-Man has a hideout. Yeah. I took it more like he sees Spider-Man as a villain and like all villains always have a hideout. Yeah. An abandoned so, warehouse somewhere. Yeah, one of those millions of abandoned warehouses uh-huh. in Manhattan. <laughs> but yeah, so this scene is is interesting mm-hmm. and like, who boy? Okay, so Spider Man has an idea to get JJ off of his case, which is to basically like threaten Peter Parker basically and be super crazy hostile. Which yeah. Not unwarranted. Like I get, I get his thought process here. So he comes in, he webs the heck up of Gar up Gargan like. To a ridiculous extent, he basically trashes JJ's office. <laughs> There's a lot of that in the next two episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, he makes like a little web turd out of his webbing, and then like <laughs> just to like explain how he's gonna squash Peter Parker if he ever sees him again. Yeah. Um, which again, I see the logic. He's trying to like show that he doesn't like Peter Parker. So you know he he's doing he's doing that to like make it so if Peter is ever following him or getting pictures ever again, like Jameson can't question it because then it's like, well, Spider-Man would have killed you if you were in cahoots. Yeah. The downside of course, is that he looks like the exact villain that JJ is always framed as. Uh-huh. So 
real bad. Yeah, he looks real bad. Real bad. Peter yeah. and Spider-Man just look real bad in the first few minutes of this this episode. Oh my goodness. You know, I feel like I, it makes sense that this was written as the second episode. Yes, I was just talk, thinking that. We talked about him being really, like, weirdly, like, punchy and like, kind of tweaked in the first one. And I feel like this is kind of back to when they hadn't really figured out Peter yet. And yeah. he's a little too much of a jerk in this one. Yep, he's a little too, too much. Too much. Yeah. He says specifically, like, get off my case, you hear, which essentially like triggers Jameson yeah. like that makes him like remember a we, we kind of delve into exactly what it is later on but he like flashes back to a drive-by shooting and a picture of young JJ and his bride you can kind of imply what's probably happening there yeah it's very very <laughs> short and um, we get more of it later but it's just sort of like bits and pieces you know, yeah. you're like, oh, there's something going on here. Yeah. And, you know, Ed Asner, he's really good in this whole episode. I really like him in this scene um, because it's such an interest. It, it's such a, like an interesting and very like specific pointed flip between like early on when he, he's just like hassling Spider-Man right back. And then when like Spider-Man basically triggers this like PTSD kind of in <laughs> yeah. him, he is completely like toned down and, and like almost like he's literally like on his hands and knees. Like it's it's really interesting. And as Ed Asner like delivers that really well, like mm-hmm. he's clearly like this is a sore spot for him and he's clearly hurting yeah you can tell he's it, it, this isn't like a story flashback it's like jonah is actually having like like you said ptsd flashback right right so jameson then after this this all happens and, and spidey takes off um jameson like kind of gains his composure and offers gargan the chance to get back at spider-man for making him look ridiculous as gargan sort of described so jameson and gargan end up um meeting this professor stillwell in the genetics lab at empire state university where we see the return of the neogenic recombinator Mutagenics, neogenics. All the mutagenics. What's it? (laughs) Um, So we see the return of of neogenics and mutagenics. um, And basically the plan is that Professor Stilwell is going to use the neogenic recombinator to fuse Gargan through radiation to this battle suit and, and restructure his DNA to match that of a scorpion because scorpions are natural predators to spiders. So for whatever reason, and correct me if I'm wrong, Professor Stillwell, for some reason that we don't know, decides to be on board with this. I don't <laughs> yep. think we get an explanation, but... We've never explained. Whatever. Nope. Okay. <laughs> so he's in <laughs> on it. Anyway, he does that, right? And so then we end up with this now buff sort of like crazed strong version of gargan in the scorpion suit who by the way clearly did not consent to this because he didn't even know there would be radiation involved <laughs> yes he's literally like radiation what radiation and it's right. like, oh my god you guys are like did he sign a waiver did or no. are you just like throwing him in there definitely just threw him right <laughs> in there it's interesting too to think about this after the first episode because you know, it, it's it's weird to have the Neogenic Recombinator return so many episodes later, but this would have been like a very natural progression from the first episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it really, really would have, yeah. Um, I also appreciate, like, the scanners that are keeping track of, of Gargan, like, their heart, pulse, brain waves, and then metabolism, which I don't <laughs> feel like is on the same level as, like, heart and pulse, but... Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I do think metabolism comes up so weirdly with superheroes for some reason. Maybe it's just because yeah, I'm like reading true. Kid Flash stuff, but like really feels like a thing, metabolism. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so after after Gargan is scorpionified, um, we see uh, Spidey swinging through the buildings and J. Jonah Jameson basically trying to find him using his news helicopters, not subtle, to basically direct Scorpion to Spider-Man. 
and Scorpion shoots his load, I mean acid, at Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> while he uh. says the quip, wh- while Spider-Man says the quip, why do we get the feeling he's not into male bonding? This is their first interaction. The very first interaction between Spider-Man and Scorpion is Scorpion shooting some goo. Ooh, boy. Ooh, boy. Weird. (laughs) Yep. Interesting note in this one, though. I know, like, Scorpion specifically calls himself, he says, like, I'm the real hero here. Yeah. Which is an interesting, like, idea, because I feel like that's, if this episode has any kind of, like, a theme, I guess that would be the one where it's, like, thinking of yourself as the real hero Mm -hmm. to the point where you, like, cause destruction i guess like i feel like well we'll talk about it later but (laughs) so yeah so they fight um jameson's like cheering while this is all going on so weird saying really weird stuff too saying (laughs) really weird it's like it's like imagine imagine (laughs) imagine like a like a really overexcited dad who's like watching (laughs) his his teenage son from afar like on a first date and then insert all the things Jonah says in this scene, and it fits perfectly. Oh my god, that's so true. <laughs> it's weird. It's like a lot of like, like get in there. No, good move, bad move. You're doing it all wrong. Like it's very strange. Oh my god, yeah. It's 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 funny. It's kind of cute actually. <laughs> I, I Herbert. Wait, no, Martin Landau's his like that guttural like scream yell yeah. that he does all the time. Nightmare. Oh my god, it is. Like, I don't know if I love it or hate it, but I know that it's, like, it's something that I, that is, like, stuck in my mind for a long time since then. <laughs> yeah, Scorpion, as we'll see, like, gets progressively more terrifying over the course of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that is definitely um, due to some great voice acting. It really is. Well, really, that's, I mean, that, that kind of goes into what's happening, right? Like, that's the only thing that, that saves Spider-Man from being unmasked, is that Scorpion kind of goes through almost, like, another phase of mutation. Mm-hmm. Um, where he starts getting claws, his eyes change, he gets a little bigger. Um, he Turns gets, like, green. Fangs. He turns green, yeah, <laughs> and he's getting horrified with himself, which this reminded me a lot of, like, kind of what you had mentioned in the Lizard episode, where there's sort of, like, these body horror elements. Yes, body horror. I like that a lot, yeah, I think, and I think this this episode does with that really well, like, it doesn't, I almost wish it made him, like, even more grotesque than yeah. it did, but I know that there's some limitations with the artwork and animation for this show, so I get the implications of it are pretty good, um, and of course, Gargan is, like, super horrified with himself, and, and that's, it's, it's a cool way to kind of save Spider-Man by accident, essentially. Um, right, because but... Scorpion is like <laughs> kicking Spider-Man's ass. Yeah, like, like almost, handily. He almost feels like overpowered in this one. Like I yeah. don't feel like he's ever been able to like handle Spider-Man as well as he does here in this episode. I think that this interaction of Scorpion really just laying into Spider-Man is some of the stuff that feels truest to some of the early stories where the, stories where they like keep raising the stakes. Where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we have an even stronger villain, and an even stronger villain, and an even stronger villain. Like that's true. That's what I would have expected from Doc Ock, but I I feel like we're we get it in this fight from Scorpion. That's very true. Yeah, that's like every comic of the the first original run of it. Like Spider Man got beat a lot. So <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah. And this one, it's like he ends up. He either gets saved by just like some some like karmic force in the universe, yeah. or like he gets real, 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 real crafty. So yep. yeah, um, so that's interesting. Yeah, but um, but Scorpion kind of starts rampaging out of anger because he figures that he that JJ wants to like keep him like this, that no one's gonna help him, mm-hmm. um, which is probably correct. Yeah. Um, but I I love I love that this prompts Jameson to admit to Robbie that like he was at fault for cr- literally creating this monster. Yep. And again, he's like, I think he's on his hands and knees with the scene too. Oh, he is. Like, I'm pretty certain. 
Yeah, like this is this is great acting from Ed Asner. And then he delivers a really great monologue that we have written down, but there's like no way <laughs> to deliver it like he does. Right. <laughs> but um, basically explains, I did it for Julia, my wife. Years ago, a crime boss warned me to back off the store, back off a story, but I refused. One night, a man came after me, a man in a mask. He aimed at me, but he hit her. Now I've sworn to keep the city safe from people who hide behind masks and think they're above the law. <laughs> I love this. I love this, like, explanation for his mindset. Yes. It is funny getting this right after the Mysterio episode where he's, like, <laughs> totally, like, horny for Mysterio, yeah. who's a man behind a mask. I guess he's not technically behind a mask. He's in a, like, fishbowl costume. So maybe, that's <laughs> yeah. maybe that's where he draws the line. But discounting that. Yeah. I love, I really do love this because it really is like, he is, he is driven like to a almost like insane point, but he does recognize that like he did cross a line and I really love that he does. Yes. And it goes a long way to humanize him in a way that the show hasn't yet. Yeah. It's, it's really, 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 really good. And I, I almost wish we would get more of this or like we would get this as sort of a thread throughout because it's such a good motivation. Mm-hmm. So good. It explains it so well. Yeah. And I mean, he does, he has a good point. Like, if anybody who's hiding behind a mask, like usually it's a bad thing if they're doing it. Like it's, you know, it, we're almost kind of like desensitized to superhero tropes where it's like yeah. secret identity is a part of it. But like most people who are doing good are not going to hide about it or not going to be so active about hiding their identity yeah. behind it. So it makes a lot of sense. Jameson brings this up frequently in all media. Like mm-hmm. he asks frequently what, if he's not doing anything wrong, why does he hide behind a mask? It's why yeah. he's obsessed with unmasking Spider-Man. Right, right. I also want to point out <laughs> that if we if we pause this scene on the shooter, a hundred percent that is Spider-Man Noir. Am I wrong? Oh my god, no, <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, because it's like the way they do the shadow and like the weird like eye hole things. It he's is in all black. He oh looks like god. he's wearing a trench coat. Looks like he's wearing some goggles, and he's got like a, a brimmed hat. All right, that's another note that I'm gonna make to, <laughs> to, to, to screenshot later. <laughs> this is like very much that like convince me I'm wrong meme. <laughs> Spider-Man Noir killed Julia Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> did Spider-Man Noir like did he exist yet? I don't feel like he came out until the 2000s, right? Or am I wrong? Uh, I I have no idea. But he would certainly have to time travel to get here. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> well, anyway, back to the episode. Um, so <laughs> We're doing such a good job of going quickly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're incapable. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, JJ and Scorpion, they both return to Dr. Stillwell um, to demand that he fix Gargan. But Stillwell, of course, is like, I can't because, of course, this stuff is going to be permanent. The stuff that Matt Gargan did not consent to, right? of course, that's permanent. <laughs> right <laughs> but i do i do like the callback to dr connor's that, yeah. that basically like dr connor's was right neogenics is too experimental you shouldn't be using it so um which is a valid point yep gargan of course kidnaps jameson because kid uh, kidnapping has to happen yes yes <laughs> and uh right after that uh, i do like this scene when peter is on the phone peter is on the phone with aunt may and of course this is another another issue with this being out of order aunt may is discussing another like inviting mary jane over um which i mean i guess you could kind of say this this could exist in this like timeline if this was the real timeline because maybe she just happened to invite her over after they've been dating but it's pretty clear <laughs> it's pretty clear that peter doesn't know who she is yet yeah i do like the little bit where like as soon as peter puts his mask on while he's talking like then aunt may is like oh you sound like you're catching a bug which <laughs> yes i love like that implication because it's always really been really subtle that like we don't hear it 
portrayed in any of these cartoons or movies, but when Spider-Man's wearing a mask, his voice does sound different because it's muscle- muffled through the mask, and that's why people don't necessarily put two and two together that Peter and Spider-Man are the same. So I kind of like that just little little detail there. Yeah, do they do that in any of the cartoons, I wonder? I know they do it in the movies, but it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. if any cartoon even attempts. I don't think so, because I think it would get too distracting in the cartoons. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Well, as he's having this phone call, he sees um, Scorpion dash past with JJ <laughs> in his in his grasp, um, and he follows them to Oscorp, where Scorpion has decided that he's going to use Oscorp radiation to change him back, because mm-hmm. if radiation made him this way, radiation must be able to fix him. Um, which, you know, doesn't make <laughs> yeah. any sense, but we've established that Gargan is not the brightest bulb. Um, yeah, and so, he is going a little know. crazy, so I like, yeah. I like it's just really simple. It's like I, simplistic, like, I need one solution. I need radiation. We, f- we feel bad for Gargan, right? Yeah. Oh, no. Gargan is totally the victim in all yeah. of this. <laughs> yeah. He's given he's given like a crap deal. And, and I think and I don't think the show makes any bones about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Peter does see Scorpion and JJ like um, or Peter. Peter was able to see that happen. So Spidey follows them to Oscorp. And of course, a battle commences from that point on. Yes. Um, there's lots of science words that happen. In this scene. <laughs> there are. <laughs> Spider-Man basically breaks down what like neutron absorbing control rods are and how that'll trigger a nuclear explosion. Don't know how, how accurate that is. Yeah, I don't know if that's value. real. I just have to believe it. <laughs> Why not? You know what? <laughs> it's it's science words. It's science equipment that will make bad things happen if you don't press the red button. So Bingo. Willing to go with it. <laughs> Guess who presses the red button? <laughs> exactly. Scorpion hits the button. <laughs> and a fight commences. And I mean, really, there's not a whole lot to the scene. No. Um, I mean, I, I appreciate, like, I wrote down... Okay, so they figure out that, that basically Scorpion's, like, greatest weakness or whatever is that he doesn't like being called names. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> sure. I appreciate some of the names that are being called. <laughs> Jameson's penetrating names are calling him Worm insect and silly sap spider-man's names for him are frog-faced and i quote a two-bit no account second-rate sewer breath baboon with the brain of a pigeon and a face of an eel <laughs> it's very like vaudeville you're like you know what i mean fun fact <laughs> if you watch with the captions on the the insult doesn't include with the face of an eel i noticed that not I sure why that. <laughs> yeah very weird there are some like really interesting lines in, in this whole sequence though there's like spider-man references like adamantium yes there's also one that i literally had to google because i'd never heard this before in my life when spider-man and jj like i don't know they get like thrown together or something like that yeah and spidey like quips like if we continue to meet if we continue to meet like this tongues will begin to wag oh yeah weird that's a real idiom it just it means is. like the, the 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 papers are gonna the tabloids are gonna talk about it yep. but not a thing that i've ever heard before in my life and a weird thing to hear out of context <laughs> and a really weird thing yeah spider-man also references the tick which i think his cartoon was on at, at this time or or had just been on yeah that on feels Fox like Kids. something that was more relevant at the time although there's a tick show now so mm-hmm yeah, I think the tick has always been like off and on been relevant. So he has he has a pretty pretty big fan base. Yeah. Yeah, so but other than that, he figures out calling him names is the great, greatest weakness. Gets that to get him electrocuted so Jameson can hit the big red button and turn everything off and save the world from neutron radiation whatever's. Yeah. 
But yeah, and I also, this is the scene where Jameson, like, almost directly, like, calls out Spider-Man as being the lesser of two evils between him and Scorpion, which is pretty much, like, the entire, like, kind of the crux of what Spider-Man and Jameson's relationship is, right? Like, that he hates Spider-Man until there's something even worse, and then he'll maybe, like, sort of temporarily support him to to defeat the something worse, but then he goes right back to hating Spider-Man, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Spider-Man even sort of calls him out and says, like, oh, you're actually, you're saying nice things about me, but yet, like you said, lesser of two evils. And then when all is said and done, Spider-Man, you know, offers his hand for a handshake and says, things are going to be different now, right? And uh, Jameson, like, slaps his hand away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, right there. Yeah. <laughs> he just, like, hates him so much. <laughs> he really does, yeah. And I do and I do appreciate, like, I think the episode, like, treats Matt Gargan, like, okay in the end. Because after, after like, he, like, passes out from being electrocuted and, like, screaming for a very long time, mm-hmm. um, he's just like, oh, I should have never left Brooklyn. And, like, that's fine. No one insults him after that. Yeah. So there's a little bit of sympathy for him fantastic facial expression animation whatever when he's being electrocuted oh Oh, it's so good my gosh and i'm like this is not ironic you know like Mm -hmm. this isn't like weird face that i love it's like genuinely scary it is so good I just I screenshot that one actually anyway, oh. but I, I mean it's and it's not a funny face, but it no. make it like the face of the episode. But it is very good. Oh, yeah. it's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the the thing that I don't like about this episode, I think, is kind of indicative in this scene because I think it could have been very easily fixed. Is this is a very like typical situation where Spider Man slash Peter Parker essentially creates his own problem. Like if he hadn't been a super big giant extra jerk to JJ in that one scene, it may not have necessarily push like push jameson over the edge to make all of this happen right yeah except peter never learns that like he never knows that's why jameson like ultimately decided to like cross that line and do this mm, that's so a really he doesn't good point yeah he doesn't really learn that lesson and i think that's what really bothers me about this episode because it's not like this isn't like trying to totally rewrite the whole thing like that's a really simple thing that could have been tacked on in the episode like jameson could have called him out like you threatened to like destroy that punk parker and spider-man would be like oh you know what you're right i won't i won't go after parker like he's just doing his job i'm not gonna be a jerk and ruin your office or whatever and then that would also kind of solve the entire issue of the connection between parker and spider-man because like whenever peter gets photos of him for the rest of the series then it's like well the only reason that that's working is because spider-man agreed to never hurt peter parker based on what happened in this episode you know what right. I mean? no that makes a lot of sense and it is frustrating that that jameson is the only of the two to take responsibility for the circumstance because i appreciate him taking responsibility it it lands really really well so it would have been nice to be coupled with mm-hmm. some spider-man slash peter responsibility there yeah and it's not that i want to like suffer all the time no. like, jj was the real villain here but peter was still responsible and i wish he would have recognized like this was not the right way to handle it this is actually a very selfish way to handle like the yep. peter parker secret identity situation and, yeah you know and it would have actually kind of gone a long way to like his character development and why after this episode he's not as like much of a jerk because he recognizes that can cause problems yeah. Yeah, that would have been perfect. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's not something I don't really like fault the episode for it like that much, I guess. It's something that I think like had it gone through one more rewrite, it would have worked. It's probably just because this was very early in the show. But even still, it's like that 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 left me really unsatisfied at the end of this, I think, because Peter it doesn't really come back to Peter or Spider Man at the end of the day. Yeah. I didn't think a whole lot about that, but I certainly I certainly like that a lot. Like what you're saying. I, I think it would have worked really, really well. Mm-hmm. i just i just saw your screen grab for this (laughs) i know we have like one more thing to tack on to the end of the summary but 
Well, it's real quick. <laughs> just to wrap this wrap this one up, one more scene with Peter and Felicia where she uh, almost hits uh, him with her car. <laughs> she almost hits him with her car. Yep. Which she is on the right to do because he's a big creepazoid right now. Yep. But she invites him to lunch because being a big entitled creepazoid is what gets in girls' pants, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But... <laughs> Wait, hold on, though. Hold on. She says, I was really mad at you the other day, but then I thought, maybe I needed this. Maybe I needed to be humbled. Basically, what she's saying is because he ran off, she, like, reevaluated, right? Like, maybe she's not all that. Like, no, Felicia, you are fine. You are doing you. You have a tutor. That's cool. (laughs) Just keep it there. Like, he doesn't deserve anything. (laughs) Yep, yep. If he walks off and storms off because he can't handle being rejected, don't go back to him. (laughs) Yep. And yet she's turned on by it. (laughs) I appreciate that she's, like, really confident and, like, kind of self-aware, yeah. but it's all, like, tied into this kind of gross stuff that I feel like this is over with after the first season because Peter is pretty, like, squarely on to Mary Jane for the rest of the show, yeah. I, I want to say. But, oh, God, I do not, I do not like it. Oh. I do not like it one bit. Yeah, it's no good. It's no good. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not good. Okay. Nope, nope, nope. Well, one also not good, but also I love it kind of thing. <laughs> the face of the episode for this episode, my caption for this, quoting the Raimi Spider-Man film, those horrible yellow eyes. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's just a, it's a really quick shot of Scorpion during like their final battle where like it's they just didn't draw in like the full eye lines and everything. So it ends up being like his entire eye mask is colored in. And yeah. so his eyes are like huge and it's kind of cute to be honest but also not it's kind of like uh it's kind of like scooby-doo monster eyes yes it's exactly like like it a is. scooby-doo mask <laughs> exactly what it is yeah yeah and it's like i'm not i'm not using like the face of the episode stuff to necessarily call out errors every time because there are plenty of errors that are just like whatever yeah but it's it is funny when stuff like this happens when it's just like it just comes out very 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 well, silly so. the other thing is like pretty much every face of the scorpion is just terrifying and horrifying and and true. just like intense so i mean it had to be scorpion it just had to be <laughs> that is true this is the first time it's been a non-peter face actually that's true so, yeah, yeah, that's pretty fun. I well, say... we had we had the guy who never opened his eyes. Oh, no, no, you're right. I totally <laughs> forgot about him. Yes, never mind. <laughs> well, that's it for this one. I guess we can kind of do our final thoughts for all of these at the end of it. Yeah. Um, so we can just jump right into the next episode and go ahead and, and dive in. This one is the short, I think is like, so far has been the shortest episode of the series. Because it's only like 19 minutes and 30 seconds long. Dang. Right? It's weird. So... This is episode seven, Craven the Hunter. The synopsis per IMDb is that Peter has a job interview at the Hardy Foundation Research Center, but his interview, Dr. Mariah Crawford, is visited by an old lover, Sergei Cravenoff, a.k.a. Craven the Hunter. Yep. This one originally aired on April 1st, 1995. Uh, the story was by John Semper and Mark Hoffmeyer, and the teleplay was written by Jan Sternad. Am I saying that correctly? Oh, I would have just said Jan Stranad, but you're probably more accurate. (laughs) I Uh, don't know. (laughs) In any case, that writer is primarily primarily a comic book writer and novelist. 
He's known for his contributions to the Star Wars expanded universe, actually, mm. um, mostly through the Dark Horse comics. But uh, in television, he still has a pretty, pretty, pretty massive television history as well. Um, he wrote for a lot of Disney afternoon shows like Goof Troop, Darkwing Duck, Tailspin, a bunch of others, too. Mm. He also wrote with wrote for X-Men, Avengers United They Stand. And I only put this in for us, but Sabrina, the animated series. I definitely watched and enjoyed that. I did too. Quite a bit. It was great. Yep. It was good. It was good. <laughs> so this is <laughs> this episode is another production order one. Um, it doesn't really affect the episode very much at all. This yeah. one was technically written as episode ten, which was after the alien costume saga. Amazon has, and, and I think IMDb too has a different fact where they say it was originally written as episode seven. Hmm. But like multiple places, I've seen episode ten. Either way, it doesn't really matter. You can't so. tell in the <laughs> yeah. way that you would expect things to be affected post alien costume. This episode and story really isn't this is probably like the most standalone episode that we have had in this entire show it's very very you could yeah you could pop this in anywhere yeah absolutely and this is just just some interesting trivia according to one of the writers mark hoffmeyer um while he was writing the script or probably doing a rewrite of the episode <laughs> he, uh he wondered why this why the world's greatest hunter was named craven um because in english the word craven spelled with a c means cowardly which it does since stan lee was working on this show he asked lee directly like why did you name a character just like mean the word coward um but lee just told him that he liked the sound of it and also that it was spelled with a k so it's different which is a very like stan lee like logic yeah sounded (laughs) cool kind of love it (laughs) i've never thought of that before but i I just sort of have stan lee'd it and been like that's a cool name like it sounds cool and dangerous I mean, I guess when it's like, when you've been aware of it since you were a kid, like you just are just, it just, it means something completely different growing up. That's true. And this episode did uh, also take like apparently eight or nine drafts. Um, Hoffmeyer says it was because of conflicting notes. Um, He kept being told to make it funnier and then make it more serious back and forth. Oh. Yeah. So I don't know if that really comes through in this episode. This episode isn't like messy or anything. No, I don't think so. It definitely like isn't for me. It's like maybe kind of like one of the blandest ones. Like there's not a lot I love or hate about it, but yeah, this is a very middle one for me, I think. Which is sad, because I actually really like Craven the Hunter a lot as a villain. I, I like when he's done well, and I kind of am excited for whenever he's ultimately in the movies, and I think they'll make like a really super hot version of him for the PS4 game. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I'm excited for the PS4 version when it inevitably happens, because for whatever reason, as a kid, I didn't like Craven, but now that I, I can see him through many other lenses, one of which is like weird, hot sex symbol Craven, yep. um, I'm very excited for for that to just happen. <laughs> Me too. I just read Craven the La- Craven's Last Hunt for like the first time in my entire oh, life. Oh, okay. Um, between yesterday and today. I don't know why I never had before. I just hadn't. I haven't read it, I don't think. <laughs> it's good. It's it's very artfully done. It lives up to the hype. Nice. He is naked in it a lot. I have not seen that. <laughs> I, I haven't read this <laughs> <laughs> it's great my only issue with it is that his chest hair is very inconsistent sometimes he's bare chested mm. sometimes he has chest hair this episode he has no chest hair ever at all and it bothers me a lot because he's russian and like a hunter wild guy he should have lots of body hair well craven is sort of like <laughs> he's just based on the way he acts and and his sort of machismo constantly and the way he dresses like he's supposed to be this sort of exaggerated like almost comically masculine Mm -hmm. figure so like it's Mm -hmm. very weird that he wouldn't have the sort of like characteristic 70s open chest hair like just everywhere situation going on (laughs) right exactly you know i mean probably also like taste coming through but (laughs) he should have chest hair (laughs) 
Look, lots of us are horny for Craven. He's not even <laughs> well, like I'm not into like the the the, the chiseled like chested dudes, but there's just something about him. He just has such a great aura. Like, I was gonna say like I good. like Craven like doesn't do anything for me, and I still agree with you. Like it, it should be that it should be super chest hairy. Like come on, this is Craven we're talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of Craven, he is voiced by Greg Berger, just like Mysterio. Yeah, yeah, we've we've covered that guy. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that he's like two main villains in the first season. Yeah, too. that is interesting because well, they they well do they end up in episodes together? I believe they do. Don't uh, they? I think so. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know if they do actually. Hmm. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they do. All right, we'll see. <laughs> well, good for him being two villains. Yeah. Good job, Greg. They don't sound the same, so yeah, it's it's really great voice work. Yeah. The other character who's introduced, and again, like kind of important, simply because she's so connected to Craven, and she will appear, I think, actually in more episodes than Craven does, if mm-hmm. I'm if I remember seeing that correctly, mm-hmm. is uh, Dr. Mariah Crawford, who is portrayed by Susan Bobian. I'm gonna guess is how you say that one. <laughs> We're really good sure. at names. And most recently, I think people might recognize her for portraying the jury foreman, Armand. Cooley on American Crime Story, um, the OJ one. Okay. I haven't seen that, but I have to imagine that if she's sort of like the lead juror, she's probably heavily featured. I guess so, yeah. I, I haven't seen it either, but yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd imagine so. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think she's... I didn't recognize a whole lot of what else she was, was, was in, so it could just be on me, but... I don't know that she's done a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Which is sad, because she's a really great... I think she's a really great voice a- voice actress. Yeah, she does a really good show. job. Uh, jumping in the episode, this is one of those episodes, kind of like the second Spider Slayer episode, where it just, it just starts immediately. Like, oh, just, my gosh. It just happens. It does. It, it goes <laughs> into, like, things that, that aren't even explained yet, right? So, like, you just, like, hear a bunch of crashing, and Craven's just, like, trashing this office. And without any explanation, he says to the scientist there, like, I'm here to take you home with me. Mm-hmm. To which she responds, I can cure you. And, like, as a viewer, you're like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't he What even, is going I on? He, <laughs> I, I wrote this down because it, it threw me off because he has a line where he's just like, like, I don't I don't know what the full one is, but he's like, he references like, are you going to give your heart to another man or something? He does. I, it's I don't, don't know if it's immediately, but it's it's within this first scuffle. <laughs> yeah. And I don't understand what that's in reference to because that like, will occur throughout the episode and it's never really explained. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Because he says it later, too. Okay. Well, anyway, um, the, Peter is immediately entwined in the story because he's apparently um, going to that office for an interview to, to work in that lab, <clears throat> work with Dr. Crawford directly, probably. Um, and he, he uh, sees the, t- the scuffle happening. So, of course, he changes into Spider-Man to save her from falling off of the building after she's escaped through a window where Craven has followed them. Spidey and Craven have like their first fight. It's real brief. Mm-hmm. He calls out Craven for like clips about Craven being a Leo, which I am too. So <laughs> Craven are best buds. Um, apparently I am too. <laughs> Ooh, congratulations. But, uh, but maybe I'm not, I'm not hundred percent. Sh- I'm so oh, on, on the, the cusp c- that I don't actually know. I'm actually on the cusp too. Like I'm, I'm, the, I'm tr- the August twenty second, and it ends on August twenty second. Well, you should you should look into it because no, I, 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 just, uh... <laughs> I don't want to. I associate well, with being a Leo too much. Well, then don't then don't look into it because I had someone look into it and it they needed more info. It was so close. Because I'm bo- I'm born on like four something in the morning, so I feel like I'm probably not a Leo, but I don't want to not be a Leo because I'm being a Leo. <laughs> All right, well then, then don't look into it. You're good. You're good. Cool. I don't want to rock your world like mine was rocked. <laughs> it was a weird day when I found this out. <laughs> Spare me, I want to stay in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> 
But yeah, so they fight, and Craven is tossed off the roof and just kind of like vanishes. I don't know how he escapes, but he's, he's got powers. So he <laughs> not gets... the first, or not the last time, rather, that that happens in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even though Doctor Crawford and Spidey leave, Craven is still pursuing them from his magical rescue that he had for himself. So yes. When when Spidey and and Crawford sort of take off, this is where she sort of gives actual details on this Craven character. She explains that she knew, she knew him as Sergei Cravenoff, who was an Africa big not an African hunter, but a big game hunter in Africa who was descended from some kind of nobility. They don't really go further into that, but he's an important guy. Eventually, they outlawed hunting, and so he became sort of a guide, like a wilderness guide, and that's how Crawford met him because she hired him to guide her through the jungle to find one of her colleagues. Throughout this sort of like jungle excursion, Dr. Crawford and Cravenoff fall in love. So that's their connection. Now, I, sh- I want to add that like one of the ways they show them falling in love is that they're just sitting around a campfire and like a cobra comes out <laughs> at Crawford and Craven just freaking like he grabs the cobra and just throws it. And then they yeah. immediately start making out. Yeah. Like, she is horny about that cobra being tossed. These are very horny episodes of the show. What could be more <laughs> of a turn-on to Dr. Crawford than Craven grabbing and whipping a snake, you know? <laughs> Again, probably a metaphor in there, but... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it worked, whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Later in that flashback, it takes months, but after um, they eventually find Dr. Reeves... Um, He apparently, like, in his absence, had synthesized a miracle drug that could heal all wounds. Which, Um, whoa? Right? Big deal. The side effect, of course, was turning Reeves into, like, a wild lion man, which his design is crazy. (laughs) Totally bonkers. He he has, like, like Medusa, like, from Inhumans hair. That's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) I was like, this is a male shirtless Medusa. Right. It moves on its own. <laughs> it's very strange. So weird. Yep. So yeah. So um, they he does give Doctor Crawford like the last vial of that drug <laughs> before he just kind of runs off with his lion friends and his like crazy Medusa yeah, hair. Because why not? <laughs> and he's just out in Africa now. I guess. Yeah. Um, now she tried to chase after him. Big mistake because she's attacked by hyenas, which Craven fights off. There's a big tussle. Craven rescues her, but he's very quote-unquote wounded really all we see because of like smp censorship rules is that his shirt's kind of torn yeah i wish that they'd have at least done like those like you know those just like scratch lines and like dirt looking like lines that they'll put in like anime sometimes (laughs) yeah i don't understand why they didn't at least do that because as it stands like i understand that they can't show blood like i get that that's fine but, like, there's no indication that, like, he's, like, greatly, deathly, fatally injured. Other yeah. than his shirt being ripped, which he's shirtless all the time anyway. So, like, not a big deal. Yeah, there's some serious beatings in this episode that are evidenced by absolutely nothing. Right. <laughs> exactly. Instead, we get his bare, ridiculously hairless chest. Ugh. This man <laughs> does not shave his chest. I know. It doesn't make sense. You don't shave your chest. <laughs> so, and Crawford... Uses the miracle drug on him to heal him. She does it by just, like, pouring it into his shirt. I don't get that. I guess the implication is she's pouring it into his open wound. Massive open wound. 
<laughs> but yeah. Anyway, Gross. turns them into Craven, the nut job we all know and love. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that was like a really long flashback, but it explains pretty much the whole story. So then mm-hmm. from there, Crawford says, well, after that happened, after he turned into this sort of like crazed hunter, she ran off to America to try to find a cure. And that's sort of when he kind of decided to, to, to pursue her because he was like, well, you ran away, right? So Spider-Man, after this whole explanation says, okay, Dr. Crawford, um, I'm going to take you to this apartment, which at the moment <laughs> is like just a random apartment. He's like, this person won't be home for a while. Later we learn it's Robbie's place. So it's like, not that weird, but he just like dumps her off there. <laughs> yeah. It's still weird. It's, it's even, even that it's Robbie's place. That yeah. almost, it's, it's, it's very like irresponsible, Peter. Like, Super irresponsible. And all, and again, he only leaves her pretty sure just because he's horny because he wants to see mary jane yeah very very horny episode of the show yes he (laughs) spider-man dumps this woman off in an apartment while this crazed hunter is tracking her and then is like well i can't do anything right now because i have to go hang out with this hot girl but i'll be back (laughs) (laughs) toxic masculinity yeah all over the place all over the place (laughs) and what's what's like especially uh, no i don't have more I yeah. lost the thought. <laughs> it's bad. It's a bad look for Peter. No, th- to be fair, like this episode very much does find him at fault for this very bad idea. Yes. Um, so well, he doesn't that's... take her seriously, like at all. Yeah, which I don't get that. Like my my understanding is that the job he was getting in the lab was to work under her, right? Because he knows who she is. Right. So she should be someone that he greatly respects and knows that she knows what she's talking about. Right. And yet he just kind of like shrugs her off. And it's yeah. really, it really, yeah. Come on, it's, Pete. It, yeah. It, it definitely comes off as more of a contrivance than anything else, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's not great. And we see how not great it is um, <laughs> because uh, Robbie has returned to his apartment. We learn like in a second that he came back early because his, his vacation was cut short because Jameson called him back early. Of course. And uh, this is like, I guess like right before this happened is when Crawford like ran out. I, f- I forget now. Why did she like leave? Yeah. So basically Robbie returns and Crawford thinks that it's Craven coming to the apartment. So she runs away. That's and right. then Craven tracks Crawford's scent to Robbie's apartment and mistakes Robbie for the, quote, other man that he keeps mentioning. And yeah. so he decides to attack Robbie. Was that another storyline maybe that got cut that like he where like she was going to like cheat on him or she was going to get together with someone else? I and don't cut know. That out, but like it would have taken one line if maybe we just missed it. But I watched this episode twice. Me too. <laughs> All it would have taken is him saying, you know, something about believing that she left Africa to be with another guy that's all it that's all it would have taken you know but they don't do that so i don't know where this other man thing comes in the only explanation i can offer is that craven is this animalistic sort of like wild creature almost and so maybe it's just sort of like a territorial sort of like instinct that's kind of baseless because she ran off i don't know it's it, i well, yeah. can't really put it all together but well, that that would make sense because there is okay i mean i'm probably just like pulling at a lot of like threads here but there is like there is like a theme of like 
animal horniness like to this and it's sort of like that's a big like if his drive is basically like his animal instincts and his animal instincts are sex and if she's not with him then she's having sex with another mate yeah like we get a lot of people making bad decisions because of like (laughs) wanting to hook up with someone what a theme yeah yeah and i don't i feel like that was not intentional at all but i think that sort of comes comes across like kind of by accident subconsciously so yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking of that, we we see at Peter's uh, household. Uh, well, I guess you know we didn't even really, really get into the confrontation between him and Rob, Robbie because Robbie's of course freaked out. Um, and they even find Craven finds the invitation to the some um, Hardy Foundation annual animal animal preservation fundraiser, which Doctor Crawford dropped. So that's going to bring all of these like threads together. That he figures that's where Doctor Crawford left. But Robbie is understandably freaked out by all this and. Craven ends up kidnapping him as villains are wont to do. Mm-hmm. And we move right into the Parker household where we figure out Peter is also going to that exact same fundraiser um, or as Aunt May calls it, the, the animal like jungle, jungle animal there. show or something yeah. like that. Like I think <laughs> yeah. she, she thinks that he's going to see like the Steve Irwin like shows us exotic stuff, right. animal show thing. <laughs> right. Whenever And Peter corrects her is like, it's the animal. It's the animal in you fashion show, which I'm sure is a, real thing that happens and mary jane is modeling there so he is wearing his text he's wearing that same like great looking tuxedo from the yeah. uh, spider slayer episode but he's like complaining about it this time which is kind of weird yeah he says he feels like an undertaker yeah what undertaker is ever dressed in a full like tux i don't ever. know <laughs> <laughs> it, it almost seems like it was like he was scripted to be wearing like just like a suit and tie kind yeah. of outfit and i mean i guess you could you could you could rationalize that maybe in the spider slayer we just didn't hear he didn't like being a t- in a tuxedo in the spider slayer episode either yeah we just didn't hear him complain about it but and, and, i mean i guess it's an interesting character beat that peter is just like kind of immature and doesn't like dressing up but it's still kind of weird because <laughs> he brings it up multiple times yeah he really really does and i do love like when aunt may is trying to get him out of the house she's like literally cutting him off and shoving him yeah, out the door <laughs> what's going on is doc Ock coming over what's going on what's happening uh, i think she wants to get his, her nephew laid <laughs> uh, <laughs> weird <laughs> She's like, get out of the house, Peter. Yeah, go. Get out of here. <laughs> and he does. I mean, he ends up going to this this fashion show where he meets Mary Jane, who is wearing, I think, just like the ugliest, <laughs> ugliest dress. It's like this horrible single strap, like leopard print gown that like doesn't hit the floor, but isn't above the knee. It has a really gross belt. It's just, it's terrible and I hate it. She has like yes. a headband. It's really, it's nasty. <laughs> it's like... Like, let's get you dressed up like a caveman. That's hot, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and But as as Peter says, like, very shortly after, that outfit brings out the animal in me. It's a very horny episode. I'm <gasps> not make, I'm not being funny. It is for real. <laughs> it is. It's very weird. It's very very strange. Well, and but but I mean, it it kind of I hate to say it makes sense, but like it kind of makes sense. Like this whole episode is based around this sort of like animalistic hunter tracking like like there's a lot of machismo involved because Craven is mm-hmm. there and it's just I don't know. There's it it makes sense, but it's like also just weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's like a, it's like out of place <laughs> yeah it's it's, it's almost yeah. like something that needs to be it needs to be like all in like it needs to just be like a hundred percent or not there at all and because it's mm-hmm. a kid's cartoon it can't be a hundred percent so everything that comes across is just sort of like 
ugh. Like, that, that that was a little weird. Yeah, yeah. I get, I get shades of, like, I, there's a lot of, like, Buffy episodes that are like, this episode is 100% about sex. It's not yeah. even a metaphor. <laughs> it is a 100% about sex. Yeah. And, like, that's fine. But, like, you can't do that here. So it's like, you shouldn't really do it at all if you can't. Yeah do it like there's one thing to have like little innuendo here and there and maybe to have like occasional like underlying like metaphorical themes like very subtly but like it's so weirdly overt in just random places in this episode a little weird a little weird yeah well at the event you've you've mentioned peter's weird comment (laughs) (laughs) after after uh mary jane models her super gross gown craven ends up (laughs) crashing the fundraiser and before peter notices this he runs into felicia and apparently didn't realize it was a hardy foundation event so now he's like oh no felicia and mary jane are here and everybody loves me what do i do well we don't care because craven ends up crashing the whole thing causing a, a whole ruckus um and so peter runs off once again irritating all of the women in his life <laughs> of course yep i like when craven enters and there's a lady who's like look it's the guy from cats Ugh. which none of them look like that none cats. of them look like that it's funny um, but also how dare you <laughs> yep. i hate cats so much not like really? the animal cat but like the show cats how dare you <laughs> interesting i don't love it but i'm 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 very Ugh. interested not of this podcast because it's yeah. already too long but i'm interested to hear your thoughts on cats um <laughs> i i do also like that little like cut from felicia and mj both asking like why is he leaving and they cut it between the two of them yeah so they're, both, they're both saying it like this, this show doesn't really do stuff like that very often so it's kind of smart right and it, i mean and that's a very spider-man thing of course he pisses off both of the both of the women <laughs> yes. in his life who inexplicably are like head over heels for right him. <laughs> yep yep spidey does confront craven after this they have a little like kind of mini fight spider-man like saves him but that's when craven reveals that he has kidnapped this, robbie by saying this confused me a little bit okay because craven does sort of fall off the building he's hanging on with one hand and i think that what he is trying to do is basically say spider-man you have to save me because if you don't save me you'll never find your friend but then when I watched it again, I was like, I don't know if that makes tons of sense because Craven was never in danger. So it seems like kind of a weird scheme just to get Spider-Man to follow him. But I don't know. Like, maybe um, you can make a little bit more sense of it to me. I mean, I took it as more like he recognized that that Mariah Crawford, like he lost the trail to her. And he knows that Spider-Man's probably his only or at least best access to most quickly finding her. And so this was just like his last play. Like, he fought him, and he's not going to be able to, like, torture it out of Spider-Man. Like, I feel like he recognizes that. And he probably has, like, figured out that Spider-Man is, like, he's a hero. He's not going to just, like, kill him or murder him or whatever. I guess it gives him a reason. It gives gives Spider-Man a reason to continue pursuing Kraven. Because if Kraven just falls, there's a chance Spider-Man thinks it's over. I guess? That's, no, that's a good point. Because that way it's like, oh, he's dead? Dr. Crawford's safe. Dr. Crawford's safe. I'm fine. Like there's, you know, he, he would have known about Robbie otherwise. So, I mean, like, yeah, I guess the writing, bait writing, doesn't writing work if he doesn't know the bait exists. Yeah. And Craven yeah. hadn't gotten to the point yet where he exposed the bait. Yeah. Yeah. And I figured maybe he was probably kind of testing the waters a little bit. Like, I think he was probably fighting him to see maybe he could like, if Spider-Man was like weak enough to just like be punched uh, until <laughs> he revealed where Crawford was and he realized he wasn't. So he's like, okay, well here's my next play. I'm going to basically like ransom your friend. So yeah. 
Yeah, it made it made sense to me. I mean, it is it is a little bit like writery, like <laughs> the way that they got to that point. I just think the only weird thing was that it was presented as if he was like on the edge. It is that that's a little weird. Yeah, I I, I want to say that that was maybe Craven like hamming it up a little bit for yeah, Spider Man. I could buy that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's all a big setup. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of where we enter like the climax of the episode. Um, so yeah, so there's about three things happening somewhat simultaneously, cutting back and forth. Um, so we have Craven setting up a bunch of traps in Central Park. Um, he's talking to Robbie, who's caged up at the zoo. It's a very creepy scene. I took a screenshot of it that I'm like not gonna post because it's kind of uncomfortable. It's yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, again, more like sexual implications here. Yeah, very strange. Um, <laughs> with how he gives him water. But yeah, and I I do like their kind of interaction because Robbie is just like, dude, what? None of this makes any sense. Like what Robbie's is so confused. He so is, and for good reason. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's had no explanation for any of this. Yeah, and you know, and, and Craven does this thing, it's kind of cliche, but like they're comparing like the, the real jungle to the concrete jungle, and the yeah. rules are the same, blah, 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 you know, whatever. It's the same thing that like Mean Girls talked about too, like it's, right. it's a cliche thing, yeah. but, but it works here, it works for his like mindset. At the same time, Crawford is working on a cure in a, in a random lab that she um, is with her friend Paula, I guess, and uh, using her lab and testing the cure on rats, and it works. So it sounds she's like she's like going from lab to lab. oh she like starts at one lab and then calls to like this paula person and is like can i use your lab and then she like Hmm. leaves and goes to paula's it's i don't know (laughs) i didn't catch that so i don't know if she's like going from lab to lab to avoid craven but she definitely starts in one lab and ends in another lab (laughs) yeah there's a lot about this episode this is kind of unclear yeah yeah well at the same time Spider-Man's searching the city for Crawford. He's literally going to, like, every single lab in the city, which doesn't seem like the best approach. But (laughs) what else are you going to do? He does realize that he's taking the wrong approach. He's like, I'm letting Craven call the shots. That's it. I must hunt the hunter. And that's when he sees there's a sign on a bus for the zoo. (laughs) The the sign specifically says, you belong in the jungle. And it's, like, an awkward picture of a lion. (laughs) Weird ad. Just saying. Yep. Um, but that kind of that sparks him to realize that Craven's probably at the jungle, yeah, um, or probably at the zoo. Sorry, not in the jungle. He's probably in the zoo in New York, and so that's where we end up, and that's where we have our final fight sequence, which Craven has has put a bunch of traps in the zoo. One thing I, I kind of that bothered me is that like one of Craven's traps is literally like explosives that he sets off with a remote control, <laughs> which seems a little bit too high tech for like his aesthetic. But <laughs> yeah, well, it also it also requires him to. He can't just lay and wait while traps yeah. go off. He has to activate them, which seems strange. Yeah, and it's for hunting in the way that he does. It's completely unnecessary too, because there's plenty yeah. of other like understandable, like jungly, typical cliche traps. Yeah, like, snares, so tripwires, a... pitfalls, all that stuff. It almost was like they got a note, like, "Oh, this episode has literally no explosions. Can you just add one in it? Because we need an explosion in every episode." Yeah, yeah, maybe that was it. More explosions, no blood, but lots of explosions. <laughs> and it's here that uh, that's that Spidey realizes his web shooters are damaged. He references a fall. Which fall is he talking about that damaged his web shooters? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I I guess it would be the one 
when they're fighting outside the fundraiser? When but did they, he like, not web swing? Did he not web swing like all across town, looking through hmm. labs all the way to here? Like you feel like he oh. noticed. Well, he falls into a trap, so maybe that's where it happens. Oh, that I makes don't remember sense. which trap it is, but I think it might have been just like a fall trap or something. And he, I, I don't know. Yeah. But I know he, okay. he 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 hits a trap like pretty immediately. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, I, I don't. I never mind when they completely like damage his web shooters just to kind of up the stakes a little bit. Yeah. Like, that's fair. Yeah. Um, and he still has one. It's just so it's it's a it's a unique way to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. So he does eventually find Robbie, and there's also lots of animals around that are attacking. <laughs> yeah. Not only are there like craven traps between him and Robbie, there's like hostile lions and crocodiles and who are somehow too. like united against Spider-Man. Yeah. It's kind of it seems weird. For, like I I mean it makes sense for this episode, I guess. That it seems kind of weird. I guess because they're so used to Spider-Man fighting like robots in the city. Like so it's like when he's just fighting lions and rhinos like it just seems odd i'm going to pretend that the traps that craven uses release some sort of like pheromone onto spider-man that make these Hmm. animals attack him i like that headcanon i'm just gonna accept (laughs) that as fact yeah that seems fair (laughs) seems like something craven would do (laughs) <laughs> that yeah that actually makes a lot of sense yeah other thing i do i do like about this episode like okay so when you're dealing with like african stuff like doing those african drums yeah. very cliche but considering the show pretty much has just like a stock soundtrack that it uses yes. all the time the fact that they differentiated it i appreciate that a lot i really enjoy the music in this episode probably just because it's different like you said but i just really enjoyed it <laughs> yeah yeah and i think it's, it's handled really well because it's not all the time it's just it's very specific moments they'll yeah. kind of amp up that african drugs uh, african, drug. <laughs> <laughs> african drum sound <laughs> i also don't think and and i do appreciate that they don't overdo the african element of it it's yes. simply that he hunted in africa and so that's what it was you know what i mean like they don't yep. they don't they don't i don't know they don't make it weird they do a good job of not making it weird great job mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah because they could definitely a white guy like <laughs> hunting yep. in africa and runs in africa that could get a little problematic and it doesn't i don't think it i don't think it ever really rides that line so yeah it's good so they're fighting and fighting, lots of animals running around. Crawford does eventually arrive, but of course she sets up off one of Craven's traps in her haste. It's a, a big, like, jet of water. I love her scream when that happens, <laughs> like when she's shot with the water. It's so good. It's like a really good scream. It's a very good scream, yeah. It launches her to a lion's cage. Of course. Uh, meanwhile, Robbie is tied up and then eventually, like, falls into a river full of crocodiles. Yes. So this is a pretty high stakes one. Craven does jump to Crawford's rescue while Spidey jumps to Robbie's. So, so that is nice, right? At least I there's like two people who can do something. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. Yes, I like it. I like the crate because Craven's always been a little bit more like an anti-hero kind of kind of bend to him. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And then and then once uh, Spidey saves Robbie, um, he does assist Craven with fending off the lions. Craven gets badly injured by the lions, just like he was by the hu- uh, by the hyenas in the flashback. Mm-hmm. Crawford gives Craven the antidote she developed, and there's the scream that he has. <laughs> it sounds so much like the scorpion scream. Like, Ooh. Did you notice that? I didn't notice that, but now I want to go back and like compare the two. I don't know if it was reused or if if Greg Berger just did like a like guttural scream that was very similar, hmm. but like it struck me how similar it was. It was kind of weird. As long as we're talking about going back and looking for something, if you mm-hmm. didn't notice this the first time, go back and watch when Spider-Man attempts to put the cage door back on the lion cage because he gets it wrong like 3 times before he gets it right. 
He's just like, <laughs> yeah. slam, slam, slam. Oh, wait, I'm holding this in the entirely wrong direction. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like, Argh. That is funny. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Massive fail. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Like, And I do appreciate, like, Spidey does apologize to Robbie, who still honestly has no idea what's going on. And I don't know if he ever gets it explained to him. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. And he's just like, all right, well, I just went through a severe trauma, but that's cool. Robbie strikes me as the kind of guy who, like, once it's over and he's not in danger anymore, he's like, I'm just happy I'm alive. Like, let's bring yeah. on tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pretty down to earth, yeah. dude. <laughs> it's not well. Yeah. So uh, the episode ends. Um, Craven has been cured. He's back to his normal hot self again. He's still telling... wearing the same clothes though <laughs> yeah i mean maybe he just didn't bring a change outfit and could didn't be it wanna... and, uh, it's probably comfortable i mean that looks looks comfortable i, I guess <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he tells crawford he's feeling human again meanwhile spider-man is lamenting that mary jane and felicia will probably never speak to him again oh, poor entitled so. little boyfriend <laughs> rightfully so we don't get any kind of epilogue with them either which is which is interesting because we do in every other episode yeah he just swings off into the sunset. Yeah, and he there's that tacked that really awkward like tacked on line where he's like, "Stick a fork in me, I'm done." There's yeah. a really weird like music stinger. It feels very like just like stuck on the end of it. Kind of weird. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I have two. This episode didn't have like very many like awkward faces. I feel like I picked out two that I liked that aren't like the best of the best. <laughs> There's <laughs> the one when, when Peter is like talking about bring, Mary Jane brings out the animal in me. Cause he's getting all hot and bothered by her. Yeah. Um, it's not a great, good, very good screen cap. It's more for like the scene itself. Cause he's literally tugging at his collar about how hot she is. Right. And it's, <laughs> And the way, like, in the screen cap, it looks like everyone's staring at him while he does it. So, that's kind of fun. <laughs> everyone's on to you, dude. Yeah, I actually, I think the faces were kind of hard to find in some of these these three episodes. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't have any that stood out to me immediately the first time through. So, I had to, like, specifically watch for them the <laughs> yeah. second time. Yeah. Really, if I were to pick one, it would have been the one with Robbie in the water bottle. But I'm not going to put that one because <laughs> that one is uncomfortable <laughs> as hell. Yeah. That one's not going up anywhere. Nope. That was for... That's private. That's for us. <laughs> also, um, there is a the clip. Again, it doesn't really show up very well in screen cap, but I love the animation. When Craven tackles one of the lions, it looks like its eyes get like really big and it looks like super shocked yeah. when he flips it over. And it's really, it's adorable. It's very like cartoon animal face. <laughs> it very much is. Yeah. Which is, uh, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's oh fun. gosh, I'm getting getting body slammed what's (laughs) happening (laughs) yep (laughs) understandable yeah but yeah not really a whole lot of um not really a whole lot of interesting faces i kind of feel like maybe at the end of the season like at the end of each season we can maybe if we have enough like followers that are paying attention (laughs) like do a little like like a bracket and like vote on like what the face of the The tournament of faces (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. So how would you how would you rank these episodes? We sort of alluded to mm-hmm. how much we liked them, but we haven't really put them in any sort of of order. Yeah, it's it's not so that we have to, but why not? Well, yeah, but I but I think I can pretty easily because it's it's interesting because you know we put this cluster together, even though this is probably going to be a way longer podcast than we anticipated we'll, we'll timestamp which you know if you're at if you're at the point in the podcast where you're listening to this like the timestamps don't matter anymore but we will yeah, yeah you know i mean we, we wanted to do like cluster episodes sometimes because we are bi-weekly and we didn't want it to take forever getting one show because there's so many great spider-man shows to get to so this cluster was put together because they are all just like one-off filler ones right yeah. but 
it's interesting when watching them how different they all are and how differently they handle things. I would put Mysterio as my number one mm-hmm. uh, for sure because it is so fun. It's so silly. It is very self-aware. And it's kind of unlike any other episode of the show, I feel like, um, with how self-aware and funny it is. Yeah. I would probably put Craven as number two, but kind of like a much lower number two. I like Craven a lot, and I think like the character's fine. The episode's fine. It's just fine. And I do think like the episode, the, the the animation I feel like in this one is kind of the worst it has been so far because there's there's definitely a lot of like recycled bits mm-hmm. um, in this one. There's a lot of those bits where they're kind of like slowed down frame mate frame rate. And I don't know if this was just like an, an artifact of how Amazon is, but some of the shots were even kind of blurry. So it just seemed like kind of a more hastily together, like low quality episode, but it was fine. It was okay. Scorpion episode. Like I want to like it more because I really, 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 really love how it humanizes Jameson. And I'm totally down for any episode that has a lot of focus on him, but I don't know. It just, I think it was just the stuff that we talked about where it just doesn't feel very satisfying. And everybody's just kind of a jerk in that episode. (laughs) And, and it just kind of like, I don't, I didn't really feel like I had fun watching it, even though there was a lot of stuff I liked in it, you know? So Hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I, I think maybe a part of that, again, it's a product of almost like, how the first episode felt like it was a first episode and had some writing problems from that that were excusable. I think the Scorpion episode maybe is excusable for that because it was early in their writing process, but I don't know. It just, it didn't do it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Mysterio one is definitely my favorite out of these three. It's, it's one of my favorites that we've seen so far. I don't know if it's one or two overall, but it's definitely way up there just because it's so much fun. I struggle with the other two. I'm not sure which one to put higher, my initial sort of just like how much I enjoyed them. I think I would put Scorpion second and Craven third, but I also, I I agree that some of the stuff that happens in the Scorpion one is, is just like really off putting, but I just, I don't know. It didn't like hurt my enjoyment of it though. So I don't know. I might just be, I don't know. I might just like the Scorpion a lot. Maybe, maybe that's what it is, but so (laughs) the body horror stuff was cool. Yeah. Uh, I I do admit there was, there was probably more substance in the Scorpion episode because the Craven one is just kind of not boring, but like, there's not a lot to it other than like that weird theme of like sex going on. Yeah. In the bottom of everything. There's not really a whole lot to it. So I think, I think that's what it comes down to. I think it's just a matter of what kind of story is being told. And I think I lean more towards the Scorpion story that's being told, even though it has more, off-putting stuff to it and i'm less interested in the craven story so i I think that's where i'll land i think i'll land on mysterio then scorpion then then craven sure that's fair yeah Yeah. (laughs) we still haven't had anything as bad as return of the spider slayer spider slayers nope nothing's topped it yet oh also what episode are we on here we're on this is seven was that the last one that we covered okay so i made a prediction that we would get, I think, six episodes in a row where web cartridges are mentioned. Mm. And in the seventh, it wouldn't be mentioned. Um, mm. I think mm. I lost that bet. <laughs> yeah, because, well, okay, so I, he definitely messages it in Scorpion. I'm pretty sure he mentions it in Mysterio 2, I think. So the question is, does he mention his web cartridges in episode seven? He mentions his web shooters. Yeah, but he doesn't mention web cartridges. He really, like, Mm. is this the episode where he's like, web shooters, I love you. But even then, it's still not web cartridges. He says web, oh, one of these episodes, he says, web fluid, I love you. And then kisses his web shooter. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the Scorpion one, actually. Weird. That's one he's, yeah. So, well, maybe too close to call. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we expand it to saying either referencing. Yeah. I definitely shooters, lost the bet. Or what, yeah. 
Either way, he references them a lot, which was the point. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, we uh, we've we've discussed these probably to death. I don't know if you have any closing <laughs> thoughts on any of these. <laughs> uh, not really. I you know I, I okay. So I like. I, I'm a big proponent for like episodic television in a way. I've actually had this conversation recently on Twitter with someone else where it's like, I think like episodic one-off TV gets a bad rap nowadays. Yes. Because everything is so serialized. Yes. You, and it's like filler, like okay, standalone stories don't necessarily equal filler and filler doesn't necessarily equal bad. Thank like, you. Oh yeah. my gosh. I'm so glad you are speaking these words into the universe because I agree yeah. so much. The thing is, like, with standalone stories, you can still, you can often tell really, really great character stories. But even at that, like, you can get really, there are opportunities to get very experimental. There are opportunities to kind of play with the format. Um, and there are opportunities to, like, tell very specific stories that wouldn't necessarily work in, like, long-form narratives. Yeah. So I'm sort of sad that that I know from this point forward, pretty much it's all going to be serialized stuff. Spider-Man is still very heavily episodic. We're yeah. still going to get a lot of one-offs. They're just, they're just going to get a lot more heavily tied into the arc, which is fine. But I think with all of that said, like, when you see episodes like The Menace of Mysterio, an episode that, like, wouldn't really work if you had to tie in tons upon tons of, of serialized, like, plot elements to it outside of, like, minor pers- like personal stuff, you know? Yeah. You can get really fun episodes like that that don't feel like any other episode of the show only because it is a standalone. So I'm a big proponent for that, and I'm, I'm glad that we were able to kind of rapidly, like, go through some of these to kind of show how different these standalones can be yeah oh yes 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 amen preach yes queen everything (laughs) everything well for for more amazing takes like that one where can people find you online Oh boy, they can find me on the Twitterverse. Um, we, I, we, mm, I'm not Venom yet. Not until next time. <laughs> um, I am on Twitter as at Derek B. Gale. Um, you can also find me on the YouTube. I have another episode eventually coming out of my channel, on my channel, Second Chance, where I look at uh, bad media, but through a positive lens. There will be one sometime this month. We'll see how that goes, but uh, you should check it out. Um, check out my Twitter and I'll tell you when it's out. But yeah, where can we find you, Doug? You can also find me on Twitter. Um, there's a new Power Ranger season happening. There's a new Survivor season happening. There's constantly Drag Race happening. So that's likely what you will find on my account at the moment. If you're into those things, feel free to follow me. And if you are into Pokemon, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening in the Pokemon world right now. Um, and my lovely co-host of the Victory Road podcast and I are going to cover all of it as it happens. Um, so if you're into Pokemon, follow Victory Road Pod on Twitter and Facebook and listen to our episodes where we break down everything that we will be learning about Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield in the coming months. Radical. So you can follow us, our podcast, Walloping Web Snappers, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Walloping Web Pod, or you can email us at Walloping Web Snappers Podcast at gmail.com. Check it out in the show notes. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Walloping Web Snappers. We got some amazing perks. Would love to get some patrons for that so we can start doing some fun stuff with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so our next episode, join us next time. We are going to get overtaken by evil, skin tight, kind of also really horny alien <laughs> ooze in the fan favorite multi-parter, the alien costume. Bye. Bye. Bye.
goodness. We did it. 